Welcome back to my podcast, Just Trish, with my second guest. I'm so excited, Dr. Drew Pinsky. It's about time. Yes. It's been way too long. I know. We actually mm. met right when quarantine started. Like, it was shut down. Is that when that was? Yeah, but they didn't know. Everyone's like, are we still filming? It was like March 17th. Yeah. And we did, I was on your show with Adam Carolla. Yep. It was kind of like a relationship questions thing. It, it's sort of a colony show, and it's, you know, me and Adam and the way we've always been. You know, we yeah. sort of, he yells at me, and I, whatever. <laughs> and and uh, people like our relationship, and like, and it's been, it's been you know, after, I've been with Adam for 20 years. I'm like, maybe th- almost 30 years. Wait. Crazy. Really? 96. We what started. were you doing? What was the first thing you we did? We did Loveline on MTV. We first thing was radio and then Loveline on MTV. Oh you were probably, when were you born? 88. Yeah, you were like eight or something. I and remember it though. My mom like loved it. She loves you. Okay. That's I bet nice. you get that all the time. Uh, yes. It's, it's, weird. it's weird as I've gotten older. Oh, my mom, my grandma loves you. My mom loves you. Like, <laughs> well, you look good though. Thank you look so you. I didn't yeah. know. I thought you were literally like my age for real. Oh, my God. And then I was like, I'm oh, coming my back. gosh. Come back to <laughs> Trish's podcast, everybody. <laughs> because you're on you get, 16 and pregnant. You do all those shows now that the yes. new generation loves you. Yes. The, 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 the teen mom thing. But in fact, we're doing a new reunion like next week. It's been on a, on a sort of a less free frequent schedule because of probably COVID really as much as anything. Um, Still? Well, no, no. It's why it kind of slowed down, I think. But it's crazy that I have known these women for like 15 years. It's been going for a long time. And I'm just going to keep talking because we're going to get into all kinds of stuff today. I know. There's so much. There's so so much to ask you. So I was just reviewing the season and I got really emotional because I, particularly with Kate and Tyler and so some with Macy talking to her son, Bentley, who's now 6'3 or something, mm-hmm. I, I was immediately thrown back emotionally to when they were 16 and pregnant. I just I just had this huge reaction. Yeah. Like I was connected. Something about the emotions they were expressing reminded me of when they were 16. And it was just very touching and very challenging to kind of protect these little kids essentially right. and then i thought about my own life across you know 15 16 years it gets it gets it's crazy it gets but crazy. they all became successful right for the most part They're, well i mean you gotta remember we did 16 and pregnant with probably 100 girls over the over the yeah. time and we did teen mom i think th- one through four i think and then we only ended up with the two and then they consolidated those and then they're so. like blow up they're like everywhere and they're like yeah, they've just stayed everywhere so mm, like do you help them off camera or do you only see them at the reunions because they get I, mad at you sometimes like I know. I, I <laughs> offer them. They, they're all. I give my phone number. They can call anytime. Oh. Kate calls me a lot. Texts me and calls me. And oh. she she uses resources. She's. I mean, she's like done so much work. Yeah. I mean, you can you can you see that now yeah, that you've done course. some of your own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's what I love though because I feel like we talked after I gave birth last year. I just did a tweet. I was like, I'm bleeding so much. I don't know if this is normal. And you like sent me a tweet. And I'm like, maybe she went to a doctor. Like you were so <laughs> nice. And I was just like, wow. I just I have so. Here's here's my philosophy. I was a severe, I probably still am, but I was really a bad acting out workaholic. Like I would get up at five in the morning, I would struggle to get home by 10 at night. I would see 60, some days 100 patients. I mean, I would see them in the in ICU, in the acute hospital setting, in the outpatient medical, and then I would go to the psychiatric hospital and do medical evaluations and run their addiction services. So it was insane. It was super duper insane. But because of those decades doing that, I seen everything. I've just seen everything. I've had experience. I, I've had a view of the human experience that very few people get to have. And I'm grateful for that. I just want to give it back. I just want to like, just give it wherever I can. And so if I see somebody with something where I can help, I, I, I want to help. That's but it. you see so much. So, like, how do you know so much? Because I, I grew up with a celebrity rehab. Yeah. Like, I love that show. But like, yeah. you know so much. Okay, they had a sex addiction one. Yep. They had like a drug addiction one. Yep. I'm someone who has like borderline. How do you know so much about everything to help everyone 16 and pregnant, all this stuff? Because, <laughs> because I had the medical side. 
side, right? I was deep in medicine. I was teaching medicine. I was a clinical professor of medicine. And then I was spending half my day in the psychiatric hospital where I saw everything. And that, that hospital was like a museum of psychiatry. It had been around for like 100 years. And through all these old-timey psychiatrists, I would listen to them and talk to them. I just learned a ton. And, and you and I were talking about borderline stuff, right? That's mm-hmm. what we often, I'm sure, we'll get into today. Yes. I ran my program was able, as you saw with Celebrity Rehab, we, we had a specialization with people that are really, really sick. And so if you needed, to, if you got to the point where you came to me, there was essentially a, first of all, you were strung out on at least a couple of drugs <laughs> and you had a 100% probability of childhood trauma. And so if you throw childhood trauma to the mix, then you get the personality stuff that comes downstream from that. And so sociopathy and borderline disorders were extremely common in my, in my thing. And I, this would be interesting to talk to you about. <laughs> so I actually, um, I like working with borderline patients, people with borderline disorder. They, they drive me to look crazy. you're not scared. Everyone's scared I, of me. I, am, I, they, I don't understand that. I, I, I understand it because I'm imagining you sometimes can express some rage and things like that. Mm-hmm. To, to me, I get where it comes from. I, I just get what it is. And, and you end up feeling worse about it than I'm feeling when I'm the, the recept, recipient of the rage. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just know how it works. I know where it goes and I know how you suffer with it. I know, I just know how it works. Yeah. But so each one of us in our unit, you saw some of them uh, in celebrity rehab. That was actually my team that I used for 20 years, you know, down in the psychiatric hospital. And each one of us had an affinity for different kinds of people. Like Sasha, do you remember the nurse? Yes. She had an affinity for sociopaths. She thought they were so funny and so entertaining and so cool. Was she and one at one point? She was not one. Oh, okay. But, but borderlines tend to like sociopaths a lot. Yeah. And, and, and we'd always kid Sasha about that. She was not borderline. Okay, but, no. but whenever she would go, oh, my God, he's so funny, we'd go, oh, just crap. It's going to be somebody who's really going to manipulate us and take this place apart. Um, but could you spot that? I wouldn't. Can, she, but just her uh, saying she liked them was enough. Because uh, when people are drug addicted, everybody kind of behaves like a sociopath, right? right? It, it, you're in a kind of a survival mode where you'll do anything and you don't even know anymore what's real and what's lying, right? But back to the borderlines, they liked me, I liked them, I liked working with them, but we had this odd experience that they would escalate around me a little bit. I, I can you understand what that would be? Like what do you know? They would get kind of oh, mo- like get emotionally. Worse? Yeah, they would get very Triggered. agitated or anxious or or it's just they would just be emotional, like they'd be uh, stirred. Oh, I'm and surprised. So, I feel very calm around you, which is like crazy. Well, but I'm wondering if that's part of the deal. Like they want me to contain it when I get there. But the stir would come literally when I walked into the parking lot. And that parking lot was about a quarter mile away. And there was no way for them to know it. And Sasha used to kid me all the time. She'd, she'd do this as though they had antennas or something. Oh my like gosh. When I was coming into the hospital. Wait, how did they get out? What do you mean get out? They wouldn't get out. They didn't see me. They, they were in the unit, oh. but they would start getting emotional. And Sasha would go, oh, Pinsky's here. They would feel yeah. you? They sense something, you? something. I'm wondering if you could help me with that. Oh my god! No, I feel I sense people for sure. I sense people, but I'm kind of shocked. Like when I was in a psychiatric hospital, I definitely wasn't like sensing when like a doctor was around. Right. right. I was just too scared. I was like paranoid all the time in like the pa- unit. Paranoid of the doctors. Oh my god! I was at Alhambra. I don't know if you know anything about Alhambra. I, I worked at uh, Ingleside for a while. Was it Ingleside or was it uh, was no, the, the other one? There's... This was Alhambra. This is the one they send you to when yeah. you're 5150. Yeah. I don't know. It's on the main street there. It's like on San Gabriel Boulevard. Or I was so out of my yeah. mind. I don't remember going in or out really mm. but the doctors scared me every time mm. and i was and we were like co-ed like we had boys and girls yeah, in our, yeah, yeah which is like no I they typically are it's it. a hospital it's a, but so the nurses have to kind of stay on that if they let that 
go crazy, that's not good. Yeah, well, ours, ours actually someone did like unalive themselves and ours. There was not at the time that I was staying there, but I guess they were taking a shower. And so that's why they had to take their flashlights and look underneath when you were taking a shower, which is invasive. And someone who's like on drugs like I was, I mean, you get like freaked out. You're just like, or when you're sleeping and they come in and check on you. Like or coming I was, off drugs, you get even more freaked out. Well, that's, that's what it yeah. is mostly because yeah. I got out of the first time in 48 hours. The last time I was held there a little longer, but I really didn't think they helped me with anything. They mm. gave me like medication, which I don't love. It's, they didn't, they don't, that facility, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, I think it was just ABC or something. Yeah, it's, or something. it's a name like that. Yeah. It's like CHC or something. Yeah. C- CHC, I think is what it is. I don't know what it, it is. And they don't have an addiction program per se. That's like we nice. had the addiction program up the street. And so they, we would get people out of there into our program. They didn't give me any referrals or no, anything. No, they're just like, okay, go home. We can't own a firearm for five years. And I was like, okay, like what else, you know? And so I went back. I ended up going back that same year, 2019. I went like three times to a different one. But do you think you're an addict or was it just part of the borderline stuff? I wasn't an addict. I was. Because um, it's hard to tell sometimes, right? It's hard to tell because I was yeah. also like functioning. The only thing I may have been addicted to is like pills. That was my thing. Xanax. Yes, Xanax. Mm. I would that, love that's, that's a more, Okay, the opiates. But you don't crave them now, though. Ah, I. Uh, well, this is the whole other thing. So once I gave birth, I uh, had a C-section, <laughs> and they gave me they. All I know is on the top it said opiates. I don't know what it was. It was really. Do you remember what it was? The drug. I can't remember. It's upstairs still. I couldn't. I refused to take it because I was so good. good I was so like in the hospital after I had my baby. They gave me the fentanyl for my C-section, yeah. and I I didn't know. And obviously, like I don't. I didn't want to like feel the pain or anything. I didn't know, but I was so out of my mind when I gave birth. I like I remember seeing the baby and being like, "What is this?" Like I had no connection to her right uh, away. Yeah. And it scared me, and I didn't know what was happening. I would wake up in the middle of the night, and I would see like a baby next to me, and I'm like, "Oh my!" It like freaked me out, which is weird for mm. those kind of drugs, right? Mm. Why was I? Why was I almost hallucinating? Like it was weird. Yeah, I, I, it sounds like you had a nasty reaction to the drug, but the good news is you didn't wake up thinking about using, which is what happens with a real addict, a yeah. real opiate addict. You expose them, and they're, they're thinking about it. Well, I had it. They gave it to me after, and I was in so much pain. I was in so much pain. It was like the day after I took. I took, I can't, it wasn't Viking. I don't know what they gave me, but I remember it said on the, on the tops, like you could get addicted to this. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, okay, like I shouldn't, but I took it. And again, I was just so out of my mind. Like I couldn't even like, and I get so much criticism for talking about this, but like I couldn't Why? even hold it because you- everyone's like, oh, you're a druggie. Why did you take the fentanyl? Why did you take the epidural? Okay, this is insane. I get the, so Look, much hate about okay, it. Okay. So here's where we are. I spent 15 years, almost maybe 20 years fighting the opioid epidemic, right? People were over-prescribing. It was ridiculous. They were killing my patients all the time, routinely. Now, people that have surgical pain can't get a fucking painkiller. Yeah. We've gone from one extreme to the other. Neither is good. Yeah. Even if you were a heroin addict and you, let's say, had some needed some orthopedic surgery or something, guess what? I'm going to give you that fucking opiate right. if you have surgical pain. Right. We'll deal with what happens next if you're triggered, if you start you know, going downstream with stuff. That's... That's your. That, I, by the way, it's not your illness. I'm not. I'm, I don't think you have the illness. I, I kind of know it when I'm around it. But when people have that illness, they go. They start going. And guess what? I can help them. It's not their fault. It's the illness. It's That's hard not. though. Addiction. I have an addictive personality. All I think, over. I think it's the borderline stuff. B- borderlines can really like the regulation they get from the drugs. Yes. You feel yeah. like okay for the first time many times. That's what it is. Every time I took drugs, yeah. even like. 
weed, which I'm not into because it never affected me. And I was mm. like, I don't know if like I just have a really high tolerance or what, but like I could have a full on edible and it never affects me. Yeah. Like anything, you know, the only thing that like maybe was like hallucinogens or something or like, you know, those kind of things mixed with like ketamine. Yeah. But like I only did that recreational. If I dated somebody that was like a meth head, then I was like doing it too. But I mm. wasn't like, I was always scared. I was always like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And it was always scary. But with the pills, I feel normal. I feel completely normal. Feel okay. Yeah. And yeah. so when and I. That, that's the part that'll get you. Well, that's the thing. And so when I didn't take them after I gave birth, I. I feel I don't know how to describe it because I was doing so well like when I got pregnant I feel like I had a whole like spiritual enlightenment after we last spoke you know just via zoom or whatever like that and this was like 2021 I I spiraled really bad I had like also and I had like it's enlightenment so I started like meditating and in DBT we have like wise mind which is basically the same thing just like you were in treatment at that time did you stay with the treatment yeah this thing started right uh-huh. okay good so I did and then then and then when I started just reading about just everything like meditation which kind of to me was like DBT but it's kind of you know the same thing just like centering yourself all I was like, oh, this is what I need. I just need to be silent for like an hour uh. and not think about anything. And it like worked for me. Uh. So then I finished. I did like a group therapy here. And then I kind of finished in like 2021. How did the, the group go for you? Was it a GBT group? Or? It was. Yeah. yeah. It was great. I liked yeah. it. It was. <sighs> Were people embracing, accepting? Yes. Always yeah. that. Yeah. It just, you know, I'm just in general, I'm bad with groups. I'm very much like isolated. Like I'm just like not. But it was it was good to like hear other people go through the same thing, which yeah. is why I'm vocal with my issues because I feel like more people go through it than talk about it. Oh, my God. It's so helpful to other people to hear like I have depression anxiety I, I was in therapy for 10 years I mean I, people love hearing that stuff because guess what we're all human right because they think of you as like you're perfect you're a doctor no you way. analyze everyone no way I think you have to go through it also to like understand a little bit to some degree right well it's that and you have to to really be good at this stuff you have to clear your own stuff yeah. you have to be completely open to the other person but without being overtaken by them and still maintaining good boundaries right yeah. so I can be here and I can kind of feel your stuff, which strangely I'm not today, which is interesting. Is that good uh, or bad feeling uh, stuff? We'll find out. Okay. I, I, I'm just what do you usually feel? I can usually kind of tell where people's feelings are at. And, oh, kind of, and you can't and, feel anything. Well, before I could with you, when, even when we were on Zoom, which right. is interesting. But I, maybe you're just... You're just I'm too clear. Yeah, you're just fine. I'm no, happy I, today. I meditate every yeah. morning for like an hour. I have to because postpartum, I wasn't doing that. And I felt myself, it wasn't even like getting triggered or something like that, but I just found myself like crying in the bathroom for like three days straight. I just like well, locked myself in. That's what there. I was wondering if you went through. That is kind of a postpartum. Is it a depression? Thing. I didn't think I had it. You probably didn't meet criteria for it. Yeah. But, but the, 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 I mean, you can appreciate this. The, you know, those hormonal changes are so massive that your body and your brain goes through. Of course, you have all kinds of reactions. Of bad. course. And you have a baby and all that. I mean, just so much. And then you're sleep deprived and anything else on there. Like, what do you do? You Obviously, that's like not the solution. You can't just be like, oh, well, that's postpartum. But they're like, really, well, there's, no, I there, know. There is, there's actually a new medication just came out that looks really good. Uh, you have to get an IV infusion first and then you get these pills. I'm scared of the medications. I'm so scared of them. Mm-hmm. I feel like every time I've been on it, like I was on lithium at one point, I like literally wanted to like run my car into a tree every time I saw it. Like it was crazy. And then the years I went to the, the psychiatric hospitals, like those were the years where they said I was suicidal, which I never felt like I was, but apparently I was. They were like, oh, well, you have like feelings or tendency. Because the first time I was 51, 50, I never said the words, I want to kill myself, but they took me there. They strapped me down because I tried to run out of the cedar cyanide. And then they strapped me down, like literally like buckles on my wrists and took me there. And the ambulance, like no phone, nothing. It was crazy. Well, they shot me with Ativan, I think. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't want that either. It's like so crazy. So you must've been in withdrawal. I don't remember withdrawal, much. Withdrawal, right. The fact that your memory is messed up and withdrawal can make you look like 
anything. And you might have been saying, I want to kill myself, just didn't really know it. Because I right? never, I've never thought of myself as that. You know what I mean? Like I've been yeah. like depressed, but I never thought of myself. And like I went three times for on a 5150. And I've just never been that way. And they were just like, nope, like you're a danger to yourself. And I'm like, oh, how are you deeming this? You know, my one friend called the ambulance the first time. That's how I had it. ended up with Cedar Sinai. Like I, I took a lot of pills. I was drinking and then I like passed out. So they called. So they assumed that was some sort of suicidal gesture. And maybe. That's what I'm thinking. I yeah. don't know. But I thought you had to say the words. I thought you had to say the words. Like, you typically I, do. Now right. that you have to say the words, you have to confirm them as time goes on. Right. Like, I'm still feeling suicidal. Yeah, and I never did, because I remember the doctors how, coming in. How long ago was this? Two, this was 2019. All of it was 2019. Yeah, it's been that way for a long time, so, hmm. It was weird. weird. I know. Again, I, I would chalk it up to drug withdrawal, because you probably just didn't know what you were saying. You're probably... When you when you withdraw from that stuff, I blacked I mean, out. You can really get. You said you like celebrity rehab. You remember Shelly? Yes. The show with glasses, yeah. blonde at the time. Mm -hmm. She was diagnosed for a year. She had like four or five different diagnoses. She had schizophrenia, borderline, uh, panic. I forget all the different crazy. But she was in locked unit multiple times, and it ended up being the whole thing, Xanax withdrawal. There's withdrawal from Xanax? Oh, bad, bad, bad. Really? I feel like bad. I was pretty good to get off that when I needed to. Maybe it was part of what happened with the hospitalization, though. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Because I feel you like... you stopped it suddenly and thought, I'm fine with this. I can have no big deal. And... and it was that year. I was on... Okay, I was... I And again, I never considered myself like a pill person, but I started taking Xanax in 2019, and Xanax that's when it Xanax is one of the worst withdrawals. It's just awful. Oh, my God. That's great. Because it just yeah, makes people... me sleepy. I'm just like... It's... Yeah, but then on the other side, when you stop it, you, you climb the walls. Did you ever take it? I've taken it, yeah. Just for like... What you need it for, like this yeah, right dosage. Yeah. You never did. Because I feel like I would just take so much because you just like kind of blacked out and it was just like the best feeling ever. <laughs> Especially like when I did porn, I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of everything. You well, know? I think that's how people do that, right? Yeah. So, so this is interesting. So, do you um, dissociate? Do you have that, that capacity to dissociate? Oh, from yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. And when you did porn, would you do that as a way of getting through yes. it? I think that's what most women do when they're in that stuff. Yeah. Though some of them, maybe not. But, and, and then, but that wasn't enough. Then you had to also medicate, or yeah. was it? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, I voluntarily did it like i was just like this is what i want to do like porn i've was, heard it a million times yeah but but it, but it, <laughs> no but one it, was like forcing me but it was I, the money I was good you know I, like I, listen i'm i am no way judging people's choices yeah. <laughs> i'm just talking about the real human consequence of these mm. things and for women particularly with a trauma history it, it kind of re-traumatizing in some way and yeah. it brings up a lot of stuff that so it gets pushed further, deeper back and then you have to take the meds to, to keep it back there. Yeah, I think I was like insecure so I was like, this is my way of like loosening up, you know, but I love the attention of it, right? I love the attention. I was like, oh my God, Church is doing like hardcore porn. This was me in like, like 31, 32 so this is like me like not that you know long ago and I just thought it was like, I was single at the time, I like didn't have a like a career path and I was like, this is like the next move for me. So like I thought I liked it but I was just so nervous each time so I took a Xanax and I haven't mm. taken Xanax, literally since we got engaged in 2020. And, and but. how do you feel about it now? How do you interpret that period of your life? What do you think? Just uh, it's a blur, though. Like to yeah, me, I'm you, like it was think, fun. Yeah. Do you think it was fun? Is what I had to do? Is what I needed to do at the time? And I still sell it. I, and I'm glad I did it. I wish I hadn't done it. What do you think? It's both. It's like both. Like in one hand, I'm like, oh, I got out of my system. It was fun. It was empowering. So there's so much positive secondary gain you got from it. Yeah. That the negative sort of balances out. Well, can I it. tell you then this? So postpartum, I was doing videos about it, and people kind of call me a hypocrite for this, right? Because I was just kind of like, oh, like, I kind of am embarrassed. I'm like super embarrassed and like ashamed of it. Of what? The porn? Yeah. Is that now because you have a child? You're, yes. You may see this one day? I would be mortified, honestly, if she did it. So this is one of the things, you know, I through Loveline, I talked to a lot of porn people over the years. And I remember there were a couple of women when their sons had seen the porn, they just stopped. They just stopped doing it. It's like, okay, that's it. 
Oh, like they were like a certain age and they saw it or what? The boys, you know, these days, by the time you're nine or 10, you're exposed to a lot of porn. How That's are they seeing the that? Cell phones. Oh, right. I mean, the average age of exposure is now age nine, something like that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so you're going to have to kind of... Okay. Is it, you have a daughter or a son? I have a daughter. Yeah. And so that's why I'm just like, okay. But the thing is, is I still promote it because that's a huge income of mine. Yeah. So I sell my old content. So I'm kind of like torn where I'm just like, oh, I'm still promoting this on Twitter because that's like the only platform that allows you to I, anymore. I, I bet you'll get to the point where you stop because of your child. But then... I, yeah, it's gonna right. be hard. I mean, they, I get you. Get, I understand you get a lot of secondary gain out of it, but I bet you stop. That's my prediction. But this is my thing. This is again addictive personality, addicted to money, addicted to shop. Like yeah, I just like yeah. you know, once that money rolls in, it's just so like I will do almost anything for money. You know what I mean? Which is like crazy. I make money. I have a lot of money. I, I'm fine, but it's were, still were that you mentality. Poor for a long time. Yeah, we yeah. grew up. Mm-hmm. My and mom desperate. worked four jobs. And she... desperate, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. And yeah. then when I moved out that, to Hollywood, that's where yeah. people get that from. That's never gonna happen again. And then you're panicked that it could. Yeah. So it's never enough. It's never enough. Like no yeah. matter. Matter what, so I'm just thinking like I can't give that up. You know what I mean? And it's like yeah. in order for her, then she don't have to worry. I, and again, I, I know moms, and and I bet that mom thing kicks in at some point. That's I don't. My bet. Well, I hope so. I'm, because I'm betting. I'm I feel betting. Like if it guilty. doesn't, it doesn't. You'll you'll right. we'll talk about how to deal with that. Later. Right? Because so, like you're a mom and you're doing yeah. sex work. Because I know if it was her, and like I'm someone who's always been in the sex industry. I've stripped at 18, escorted, all that stuff like that. So for me, it's like the idea of her even doing that at 18, like mm. doing a blowjob for five dollars on the streets of like Santa Monica Boulevard, is like horrifying to me. Mm. But at the same Why? time. Because I know what I went through, like, you know, What'd you go through? Uh, this just being on the streets and getting like your teeth knocked out or just like people just doing the craziest stuff to you. I mean, I've talked about it, it to length, but just sodomy, involuntary, like all this stuff like that people are. And so like the thought of her even having to like go to that is how, like, how do you have any positive feelings about men given that stuff? Well, I don't. I really don't. I went, I went, I thought, well, I hate men. Like, so then I would go to, it's, it's such a weird thing. It is a weird thing. I really dislike men for the most part. And after, after I had my baby, I really disliked men because I had a man who it was just in my life and it wasn't, you know, whatever, but he didn't understand like the postpart, like the, the stress I was under, I yeah, guess like that. Yeah. And I didn't know either. Yeah. It was just a situation whatever and but, he just understand listen, it I, I that's one of the things i worry about when people do this kind of work is again i people do whatever they want i'm, I'm fine with everything but but i kind of see the realities of it i see when the door gets closed i'm in the room with them alone and they tell me what they're really feeling mm-hmm. and even just stripping you you'll frequently hear women that just, they're just disgusted by men well, because they just, like touch you, whatever or, they or do, whatever. whatever they're just being disgusting. They're Stick just, pennies up you. Men like, are kind of disgusting. They right? are. I yeah. look at men like dis- I'm disgusted. I don't like men in general. But there's very few people I feel like safe with. And because when we did our you know Zoom calls or whatever on a podcast, like I felt for the first time like someone like not only understood me, but like there was a man not calling me crazy. There was a man mm. not trying to like exploit. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and. 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Because here's the thing, like I, I'm, I'm mentally ill, I talk about it, whatever, and people always say it's not an excuse, but you had like, you were so like compassionate about it and you were just very much like, it is an excuse at the end of the day. It's not an excuse, it's an explanation. Explanation, yeah, right. And, and I admired that you were doing that because these are common conditions and we don't talk about these things realistically enough. And so I was very, and continue to be very appreciative that you're willing to talk about these things. I, yes. I think people would attack you for having diagnosed, diagnosed, diagnosed illnesses, diagnosed conditions, right? Fuck those guys. <laughs> really like fuck those people that 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 is further traumatizing which is an interesting question why do you think so you were victimized as a kid right mm-hmm. and you had all this I guess chaos and desperation. All this. Are you having, are you, now you're having emotions, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you okay? Because I, yeah, it's like I, I do get a little emotional about it because I did open up about. Um, I had lots of incidences in school, of, um, inappropriate relationships with teachers, uh, some some sexual and some not. Some just you know showing me porn, just like you know some just touching. And I opened up about just, it. Oh my mm-hmm. god. Yeah. The fact I'm, that you have to qualify it as just. And multiple times. It's and then, all profound. It's profound. These are not good people. Now, they may be sick also. And we would, I would, you know, if we found out one was a whatever, porn addicted and whatever himself, we would have some compassion for him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it okay. Mm-hmm. But the whole internet called me a liar. After I got canceled or whatever like that, I don't know, we can cut this. I don't know, Moses, you can tell me if we should cut this or not. But the whole internet basically called me a liar. People who for, for what? Saying that it didn't happen. That you were never traumatized. Mm-hmm. Where'd your borderline disorder come from? It's like, it's like and like, where were magic. they? Were they back with me? And another student came well, forward. Let, let's let's talk about that. So there are definitely things, um, inaccurate memories. They happen, right? And some of yours may be distorted, right? Because you know, if you have really bad childhood trauma, mm-hmm. you will experience a lot of other things as trauma that maybe wouldn't have been trauma if it weren't for the original injuries, yeah. right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Do, do, and do you have, but but there's a crazy thing. Now, I think we talked a little bit about that, but this is the craziest of all things about the human being, okay? Which is that when we've had a trauma, particularly children, childhood traumas, we become literally attracted to people and circumstances that are very much like the perpetrators. We, we, we're somehow attracted to that. And so it's not that you're looking for the re-victimization, you're just naturally drawn to that stuff. And of course, those kinds of people will re-traumatize you. Well, I felt safe enough because this one person had passed away and so I felt like safe and it was out there publicly there was like stuff that whatever so I thought well let me just talk about this and another student had contacted me and something similar happened to them and they came forward and everyone accused that person of being me and like that person got basically run off the internet her dad was a police officer in the town we grew up in knew about all this stuff like that she came forward with her name his name everything and then she just like deleted herself off the internet and everyone accused that of being me and still to this day people are like they'll say the hashtag and like, again you tell me if we should have that the hashtag all my videos justice for and like this teacher I mean nobody no nobody that went to school with us is this this is just people that are like on reddit or whatever so and to so, see that every day to see that every day is like it's like so traumatizing that's not even the worst of it this was a very light one that i talked about and it's like it just bothers me because i can't talk about the other people that like did it because now no one will like believe me and i get that and like that's just my mo now on the internet but it just sucks because it's like these people who are still teaching or still whatever like they, that's why i don't say anything about anybody because no one like will believe me anyways you know well the, the important thing is not to hurt other people with our stuff right okay. so so if there's whatever i mean this whoever these people were they know right and it's not your job to out them it's not your job to harm them However, you know, you may want to, you know, alert somebody to keep an eye on this person so they don't hurt other people, right? That's the only concern. But everyone, it's a small town. So everyone in that town is like, 
when because people were calling the town, right? Everyone's calling the town, calling the school, and then everyone would be like, "Well, she was crazy, and she was institutionalized, and all this stuff like that." Like you know, so it just when you're mentally ill, like you'll just always be the crazy person. Same thing with anything. Like people just will say, like I remember there was like a lawsuit, and they're like, "Well, she's mentally ill, so she doesn't get to like have be an, a witness to an incident that happened with like this popular like YouTube group I was a part of." Mm. And so it's just like one of those things. And how this all got started, I guess, back to childhood trauma is like it's really it's really something like I never dealt with. And like, even in therapy now, I just do Zoom with individual therapy. Like, because I don't remember so much, like memories come to me, like literally now to this day. Okay. So the 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 way to think about these trauma for you, if, if let's say you were, I were going to advise you to get treatment, I would say, don't worry about the memories. Don't worry about revivifying anything. That's the worst thing you do, right? It makes everything worse. Even just talking about it right now, you're, you're, makes you escalate. The idea is that you ever heard the book called The Body uh, Keeps the Score? Mm-hmm. You heard that about that yes, book? Uh-huh. You should read that book. I haven't read it. The I Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. Uh, and it's essentially making the showing the biology of how these traumas get embedded in our body, in our nervous system. They get just embedded in us. And so trauma treatment is really not about revivifying or re-experiencing anything. It's about re-regulating the impact left behind. So you can regulate your emotions flexibly and you can be fully integrated. So these parts of yourself that were injured aren't off in the distance somewhere, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you bring them forward a lot, but I still feel like they don't get the care and attention they need. I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like I hide them a lot. I feel like I... Be- and then, oh, you do hide but them. But some okay. of these memories come up that I don't even remember. Like yeah. it almost seems like it wasn't my life. It, it, it might not be accurate. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Well, that's what's scary. What, what if it's not, you know? Then, that, that That's the point though. It's, it's about getting the trauma therapy. I'm surprised you've not had that. Mm-mm. EMDR or anything Mm-mm. like that? Has, no. has anybody talked about that with you? Mm-hmm. But I, to me, it's to me again. I like it's like the porn. It's like anything. It doesn't seem traumatic to me. Like these experiences. Like the reason I talked about it is because I was like, okay, someone else came forward with it. Let me talk about it too. Yeah. And I, I to me, it's not traumatic. Like the other relationships I had with my teachers, I was like 16. You know, and I was just like, oh, I thought I was so cool. And to me, I right. thought it was like everything it, and it, consensual. A, a friend of mine, he was sexually abused by an 18 year old girl when he was 13. He thought it was the greatest thing. It affected his life dramatically, but he was not aware of how it was affecting him in terms of drug addiction, sex addiction, his relationships. You're not, you can't see the connection because your brain won't let you. Yeah, it's all walled off, and it, it really is important to try to rewire into those things so they're not there spinning and needing attention in ways that might not be healthy. To me, it like doesn't feel like trauma, but it's like it got brought up again recently. There was another thing I was talking to you briefly before we started. You know where my nudes were sent to a minor, and when I was a minor, I was shown nudes by my teacher. Like he would show me like pornographic images, and it was at the time you think it's cool, but to this day, I'm like, is that why the hypersexual? Is that why I need this validation constantly by like? Like, the OnlyFans gives me validation in some degree. Like, there's messages like, you're so hot when I always hear I'm so ugly like everyone else. You know, it's very weird. It's like... It, it's conflicted, right? Mm-hmm. It, and it's and, and the only way you're going to figure that out is by trying to resolve the trauma, trying to get into it a little bit deeper so you can get all the, the, the residual left behind to get it to come I just feel up. like it's out. You know, I feel like I've given past it, so to go back and do... Well, I'm, I'm not saying you, you don't revivify it. You, you literally... It, it'd be just literally doing the eye movement stuff and then what are you feeling <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah. it's literally that kind of thing and you might talk about a particular topic and connect to the feelings in tolerable doses 
That's the important thing. You're not, not so much that you're overwhelmed by it or. I just don't want to go back to it because it's like as soon as now I start hearing about this and I'm just like, ah, uh, and it's almost. Well, let me let me just tell you. Yeah. Let me just uh, what I'm hearing you say. Sometimes you're saying it was th- there's all this trauma, and sometimes you're saying there's none. Well, <laughs> I, the trauma, how you describe it, but I don't think it is. But then I'm like hearing about it now it makes me upset because I'm just thinking like now what I'm thinking in my head if I'm being honest is like okay people are gonna see this she's lying she's this let's come out with this and it's like let, let to talk clear. about it is this is if she were lying I would know. It, okay, I, I would. It wouldn't make sense given her history and what she's telling me. I know when people. I, I always get this kind of like, mm. no, this is not. This is common. I guarantee you, there's a bunch of you out there that had something similar. Maybe Trisha's taken it to an art form in terms of how you've lived it and how you've done yeah. dealt with it. But look, you you're you're surviving. Yeah, and and thriving, and you have a kid. You have, I mean, you you things are good, right? Mm-hmm. So how how can people criticize you for? living your life that to me know. is i'm in constant fear of just being like canceled and criticized i don't know it's like it's really weird Well, you've been through so much yeah. it, it's hard for me to imagine that i know i don't know why it still like affects me i mean i try not to i'm trying to be like in my own like circle and bubble and then i'm like oh you know things are going good now so i always think in the back of my head it's like oh what's what's the bad coming you know and i try not to think that because i do believe in like manifesting and stuff but, but it but does the come cat- up catastrophizing yeah yeah i feel like yeah. it's like inevitable it just be it's like even trying to be out of drama for the past two years the yeah. stuff in the summer happened my nudes were sent to minors so then i'm like triggered all over again i'm just like oh my gosh i remember that happening to me and like now my nudes as a sex worker are being used to like traumatize someone else and it's like it yeah. really bought it really messed with me more than i thought and i'm like try to keep it together but it, i'm just it, like it feels kind of fragmented like you're having all these fragmented feelings and stuff and, and again yeah. some sort of integrated thing would bring that all those pieces together so you could have one feeling about all this but i'm the therapist like it just never worked for me too much I, like the dbt classes I, I, I'm, they were sure, good. I'm certain of that because because for Hard. for borderline stuff, I mean, dialectical behavior, DBT we're talking about is this dialectical behavioral therapy mm-hmm. is the one thing that's shown to be very very useful. Yeah, a- and I and I could tell when you were getting it because you were a lot of your stuff was like really settling, and I could tell you were doing a lot of hard work at one point too, right? Maybe I should do it. Yeah. Oh my god, I was going. Yeah, yeah. I could tell. Uh, maybe it's just back to that again, and not, not worry about the trauma so much because if you can live with the traumas and they aren't constantly dysregulating you yeah it's not too I mean, much and I, I don't know but i do like to talk about it because like i do think not enough people talk about these kind of things and stuff well, like I mean, that now but... we live in an age when the people are i think it was even the some international organization was talking about accepting minor attracted individuals you heard this nonsense mm-hmm. what do you mm-hmm. think about that oh triggering it's so mm-hmm. triggering like yeah. how there's any excuse because to me i don't think there's even an explanation for it like if you're sick right you think it's a sickness or what do you think? I don't know. Like it's a sickness. Pedophilia? Yes. There's there's there shouldn't be an explanation I, for it. I, I think it's back to what we were kind of talking about, early experiences wire in certain preferences and things. And it's simply the case that a certain percentage of people that are sexually abused in childhood become attracted to children. So or what do we do with or them? Or we'll act out on children when they're a child. Well, what do we do with them as a that's like, that's beyond my pay grade? Because <laughs> I feel like there, there shouldn't be an explanation for that, right? Sometimes be... they can be treated. Sometimes they can, and sometimes they can't. To me, it's like the most that's like the most triggering thing. Like anybody talking to minors, like even if they think it's like friendly or it's it's like I feel like there's no excuse, not even a friendship. When people have friendship with like sixteen year olds, I'm just like, why? When you're like a grown adult, that's crazy, right? It's weird. But people are it's so normalized, especially on social media now. Like it's so normalized, and people just like let it go. Like I have a like I'm like a least judgy person too, but I'm like there's just like no reason to have a relationship with a minor, and I don't understand how like this is not talked about more, and how people are like I'm with you. But what do you do? Like I mean, I, it's one thing being friendly with of a course, minor. Of course, yeah. It, it's another thing to have sort of hang out with hang them. out intimately, and, and I don't mean intimately physically. I mean just sort of 
I mean, why would a 30-year-old be hanging with a 15-year-old? Explain that to me. That's what I'm saying. And I feel like nowadays everyone just cancels everyone for everything. So when someone like that gets quote-unquote canceled, they just come back like normal because everyone's like, it's just cancel culture. But it's like, no, there's like some awareness, but like there's no accountability to be taken with that, which I think is like so weird. That's a whole other thing. But I mean, but I did want to talk about addiction too because we okay. were talking about that earlier. Okay. You were talking about as if I was an addict. And I feel like addiction comes from, well, I don't know. I don't know. You could tell me where it comes from. Yeah. But I have such bad addiction to a lot of things still and I yeah. can't overcome like there's certain ones like shopping addiction food addiction where people don't think it's an addiction people look at like fat people and they're like just stop eating <laughs> but it's like actually an addiction and it's actually yeah. like a serious thing so behavioral addictions are rough they're very and and they frequently come from the same place as you're suggesting as chemical addictions right and it's very common in my world for people who are recovering from say opiate addiction or benzodiazepine addiction, whatever, to be sort of, you know, doing okay and maybe doing an active program and stuff and all of a sudden start going down some path. Gambling, very common. Sex, very common. Spending, very common. Debting, accumulating debt. A lot of people like that. Mm -hmm. That's the opposite of you, right? Yes. You well, <laughs> I mean, there was. I had tax debt for a minute. Okay, all right. <laughs> You've know. been there. Yeah. Uh, but some people get high from that. They, they feel oh, like... Oh, they want to be in debt? They they're they literally feel like they're not alive against their, unless their back's against the wall. Okay, that's not me. No, I, I get that. <laughs> and that's and so, it. I need all the money. You, you, yeah. need, you need you know, buffers, yeah. lots of buffers. Yeah. The behavioral addictions very frequently go unnoticed. People don't realize what's happening. Um, remember Bob Forrest, the guy with the glasses and yes, the hat? Yes, Johnny Depp. He, he, like. he, was, he, was, uh, he was actually Johnny Depp's friend. Interesting. Oh, really? Yeah. They had the same vibes. I always thought yeah. he was so cute. Isn't I was like 15 watching that show and be like, God, he's so hot. I was like that with you too. I was like four. I had issues. I liked older guys when I was like 14 years old. Well, that's, maybe it was the that's, thing. that's all that know. attraction thing, right? Yeah. That's, that we get attracted to the stuff, and that anybody that would respond to that, right, and make you feel like, oh, oh yes, yeah. oh you are, oh isn't this yeah, something? Yeah, you're so mature for your age. Yes, oh Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's where this shit happens. Mm. That's how it happens. So, so it's, it's not because you seek it; it's that you're sort of naturally kind of in, you know, your drive systems go that way. Yeah. And then you find some shithead that acts it back. How many? And then schools too. Like that's what I'm saying. People get mad at me when I. I say I don't like the public school system, but I was traumatized by it. So yeah. I think. I mean, you entitled so, to your position. Yeah. Why, why <laughs> yeah. people, I don't understand the re-victimization impulse that people have with you. I think it's just the, me. I think people just don't like me. So I don't know. But th this is, feels like something more. <laughs> Because, you know, it, to, to not like you, you just turn off the channel, right? right. It's like, I don't like that. Mm, off. <laughs> but to spend time and energy attacking you has to feel, has to trigger a motivational system in the other person. And it has to kind of feel good to them to attack you. And I don't get it. Which is the oddest thing in the world to me. Because I was problematic. There was a time where I feel like maybe I was problematic, but I feel like I haven't done, literally I, on purpose when I was pregnant, I just like didn't do anything. I didn't talk to anyone. I wasn't involved in drama. I don't talk about people. I don't gossip about people. And I still got attacked constantly. Actually, it was Did the worst ever was when I was pregnant. They contacted my OBGYN, my doctor's office. Like they were, don't treat her. We went to go get the HSG test. So they called the fertility clinic because they saw a sticker and they were like, don't give her a baby. Like it's crazy. Like they went insane when I was why, pregnant. Why did people feel in any way it, that it's their business. I don't know. Between you tell you me, your, what is it? What is the phenomenon? Between you and your doctor, it's kind of new. I, that's why I'm <laughs> trying to understand it. This is, an, this is all the people telling how each other behave with vaccines or masks and all this stuff. This is like, or how Joe Rogan's doctor should treat or not treat. This is nobody's fucking business. This <laughs> yeah, is nobody's weird. business. Why do people feel that they should I have? Know. I think it's social media. They sort of feel like their opinion is like, oh, it matters now. It kind of 
opinion though, matter. I feel like it works to in some what degree. Sense? In what sense? Like canceling people, they can call someone's job. They can call someone's like oh, they can, you know, they can harm people. Yeah, so like oh, you yeah. ruin it someone's be, life. It should be criminal, right? Yeah, but it's I, not. And how is it not? Like I, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't get it either. Because people don't believe it really gets as bad as it is. They'll say, oh, "Look, she's still got a podcast. She's fine. She's all right." Right. They, well, me, it's like different. But there are some people who like don't have like jobs to fall back on or whatever. I, I you get know? it. Or they lose jobs that are like their dream jobs, and what are they supposed to do? Yeah. No, there was literally a Twitter account last year, right when after I gave birth, who like showed like babies like how would you say i don't know like literally just decomposing i mean like this is gonna be malibu and their like name and address was on their twitter profile so i called the police and their thing and like there's nothing we can do about it it's on twitter but they're like we're gonna do this to your daughter we're gonna do this to you this is gonna be you decaying like constant tweets and i called and they had their address their real name everything and the police like can't do anything about it oh my god so it's just like they just let that happen and like it just because there wasn't a specific threat no they're like this will happen to you but but they didn't like specific here's how it's gonna happen to you you know i mean kind of i had that happen too but it's like crazy they don't they don't take it. They don't care. Like if it's online, it's like and not in their jurisdiction or something. I don't know. So, did you call the FBI? Usually does the online stuff. So no, I just figured if the police weren't doing anything. I don't know. How do you call the FBI? I don't know. That's a good <laughs> question. That's a great them? question. I mean, I wish I had the FBI. There's got an FBI office here, but anyway, I, I really I'm way over my skis here. But but when you were sort of acting out badly by your own assessment. Mm-hmm. Did you harm some people who were feeling resentful now or people on on their behalf for sort of acting out that resentment? I guess we talked about this a little bit before. I guess they say that I've harmed like communities. I think we talked about the DID, the trans thing where I made videos. Yeah, I I saw a video. Social identity disorder? Yes. I saw a video of someone talking about it. So I made a video being like, this sounds like something that like maybe I had. Like this was 2018 or something. This was like before any of my hospital stays or anything yeah Yeah. and so i was like this sounds like something i had and then like they all kind of came from me and was like oh you're trash or this and i was like and i was being so sincere because you were saying i might have dissociative identity a serious medical condition right i might have and then what happened was obviously something triggered me because everyone was just like you're trash or this whatever so then i made the trolling video where i like switched on camera you know like to be just like crazy because i did trolling videos you did it you did it on purpose purpose. because i don't I, I feel like I have a switch, but not like that. You know what I mean? So, so I think, you know, th- what, it's kind of what we, the road we were going down a few minutes ago, which was this dissociation you're capable mm-hmm. of doing. But when you dissociate, you don't become somebody else, right? right? A new person doesn't step in and you're Trisha step back. You might, you might feel you might, it. You might act in ways to be able to do the porn or do the whatever that feels like not Trisha, but there's not a full personality that comes forward. Right. The way they were describing it, yeah. but the way they were talking about like switching was kind of like how I feel when I was used to go in rages and I haven't been in a rage literally that's, since that's borderline rage that's borderline okay so but there yeah. w- would be like someone I didn't know like after I yeah. did it I was just like oh my gosh like what happened like right. you know do, all do white out or black out black or red out, out black mm-hmm. out when you're in those rages mm-hmm. yeah. and I don't I really don't know and I actually I almost like it's almost like so what they were describing in the DID was like you could kind of still like be in your body but not like control it so that's how I was like I kind of knew what was happening and I knew it was bad but like I could not control I couldn't stop you know so you may have a dissociative disorder but not a dissociative identity right. disorder right and i've seen dids i've seen a lot of them not a lot i've seen a few over the years and they are striking it's pretty dramatic yeah so it's, so they came for me because like you harmed all this community so i how like, did you harm them by saying i'm just thinking about i guess then when i did the trolling video switching they're oh, like you're harming oh, which oh, oh, but it's like how oh. do i get past that because i do in the sense feel bad but i mean at the so time apologize here here's your chance okay i 
I guess I should because this is. I am so sorry to the dating community. They don't Truly. believe you. I don't believe you. Try again. I am so sorry. I don't know how to say it because it's not because it, it should be fun. I mean it. Should be fun. I know it's you mean not. it. I'm just I, like I, I, nervous. I, I'm, laugh. I'm trying to protect you from further stuff. And this is, by the way, I have to watch out because I have this rescuing thing I do. That's my sort of. Oh, that's interesting. That's my pathology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you a codependent person? Oh, <laughs> bad. Oh, really? Bad. I knew it. Bad. I'm codependent too. Yeah, and, but okay. I, but you're like I said, you're your therapy. But how do I do it sincerely? I, I don't know. Because I, I sincerely mean it. I just, I feel like you I'm laughing nervous it. laughter. I, I agree. I'm sure that's, that's why you it's have to. It's not like funny. I'm just like. I, I know. Because it, it, to this day, that's like the one thing is like justice for my teacher's name. You harm the DID community. You harm the trans community. So I'm just like, okay, how do I do this? So give the, give them a little, you know, how you feel about being accused of harming a community that you had no intention of harming. But I don't want to do that. I'm sorry you felt that way. Don't do that. Just do whatever you're feeling. Like, like you, you, let's say you did harm some people in that community. You made light of a serious condition. Yes. How do you feel about that? I mean, I feel bad. Yeah, you feel bad. But about I it. feel like it's like it's so again hearing people's like thoughts in my head of being like she's not sincere. She's doing that for attention. You know what I mean? So it's like, how do I? come across that way because I truly truly feel bad as a mentally ill person that got mocked and like people think I fake my mental illness and stuff like that I truly feel awful if people like were seriously triggered by it um so you just did it you just did it okay well I do I don't but I mean to say sorry I don't know it's so you just did it you just did it you can relate to somebody who's been mocked with a mental illness that's (laughs) diagnosed Mm -hmm. uh and you're being accused of going after another community that you wouldn't intend. The trans to harm. community, which I love more than anything, and the gay community, obviously, they're like my whole heart and soul. Like that was when I was going through gender identity issues, and it was very sincere. And um, people just thought I was mocking it, and I felt okay. Like, and so let's let's again this. And people are going to accuse me of rescuing. That's not my intent. I'm being explaining things. I need rescuing for this because it's, it's something that seriously like haunts me when people like talk, bring it up because it's like it was never my intention, especially a mentally ill community and, or a personality disorder community and uh, um, you know the gay community, which I love more than anything. Okay. If it was a straight community, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be apologizing. But <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. Because as a representative of that community, I'm going to cancel you. <laughs> You're but, a straightie that I like. But, Let's talk about it. So one of the features of borderline is an unstable identity, which you can we've talked about that a little bit before. Mm-hmm. So you can relate to that. And these, particularly these days, gender identity gets very much into the feelings and thinking about, you know, who am I? What am I? Who am I really? And with the all, it all talk about that. Talk about the mm-hmm. the feeling of not having a consistent sense of self. What is yeah, that? well, I, I was, this was one of my notes too. I mean, I even looked at my notes, but it is one of those things where I take on other people's personalities because I when never you're had around a, them. Mm-hmm, like you came today, so I was like, I should dress like a therapist, you know? Yeah, like yeah. I don't know, I don't have a but, style of my own. But what does it feel like to not have a stable sense of yourself? What's that feeling? Can you describe it? I guess just not knowing who you are. Like, who am I? You know, I never had culture, you know, anything. I never had anything. So I gravitate like my husband's Jewish Israeli. So now I'm learning Hebrew and I'm going, you know, we do Rosh Hashanah and Shabbat. Like I just grab onto someone else's because I have no identity, you know, and I've always been like that. And is that uncomfortable? No, I think it would be, I I don't know who I am. Like to dress in my own style and my own, I don't know what that means. You like pink. I like pink, which is hyper femme. But you can start there. You know what I mean? I mean, there are things that, that are yours that you can sort of own. 
But usually not having a stable sense of self is a very uncomfortable place to be, which is why you grab for somebody else's. Mm -hmm. uh, you're looking for some stability in this floating thing that is self, right? Mm -hmm. And without a self, it's hard to regulate. It's hard to know how to relate to people. Well, that's and that and I never have. I never had childhood friends. I don't have adult friends. Like I just yeah. don't have friendships. And w specifically with the gender identity thing, which it was like for me is like one. And I guess this is where people got offended. So I'm sorry. I truly am sorry if this offends someone. But I'm just telling you my thought process of mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. is. I was hyper femme as a character, but it made me uncomfortable. Like walking down the street, hyper femme, like I didn't like it. I was so so, so you were a, so this is what we used to call a female female crossdresser. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You, you were taking it. feminine characteristics and exaggerating them. Yeah, but you weren't a man; you were a female doing that. So yeah. you're a female female crossdresser. I always thought I always would say yeah. even before yeah. that that I was like a man, like a drag queen. Like yeah. you know, I felt like I a, think you and I talked about that the first time we met because because yeah. I, I saw some of that stuff. I yeah, like, I always just really envied men but, and but not envy men. That's interesting. But let's get back to that before, in a second. But because I wanted to be, I'm like they get away with so much. Men can. I'm only the reason I want to do a podcast with you so shortly after my last one is because like uh, my validation comes when there's like a man sitting next to me always uh, uh. and it's not just my last podcast but like there there's been a plethora of youtubers that are men that that's when i'm popular when i'm next to like we'll just say like shane dawson david dobrik you know jeffree star it's like mm. when i'm next to a guy people like just take me more seriously and then when you came on our podcast like people were like oh we get trisha now because a man explained it and maybe it's my fault because I, I don't know how to explain myself but I only feel some type of way when there's like a guy. So I was always envious of guys that they could just have that pull over people where they're not crazy, where they're not this, they're just a man, you know? So then you wanted to be a man to, to yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think it feels to me like what you were looking for was containment from a man. And and by the way, there's this recent literature that suggests that people that when one person is dramatic and the other person is sort of stoic and stable, it really, those relationships work. Mm -hmm. they, they're like very state, they're good relationships mm -hmm. because, because it doesn't bother me to be containing and right. you feel good being kind of contained and kind of understood and mm -hmm. stuff. And, and that's kind of – that's relationships are supposed to be. You're supposed to, you're supposed to sort of have this thing – you know, there's you, there's me, and then there's this thing between us we call our relationship. Mm -hmm. And the relationships is really where everything comes from, including our sense of self, right? And if you don't have a lot of good, stable, quiet relationships, it's very hard to build a sense of yourself. So that feels like something missing for you. Yeah, I found it like my husband's very stable and calm, so I think he yeah. helped like a lot with yeah. that. And but I had to go through a lot of rages and stuff with him for like him to understand it because at the beginning it wasn't. It was very were they jealousy, envious. What was the rage? Hmm. I think just abandonment. I think oh. like he would leave He's to work leave. Yeah, and yeah, I would yeah, throw yeah. his keys out okay. to the woods or right. something. You know. And so again, for people out there, abandonment is a key preoccupation with borderline disorders. So unstable sense of self self-destructive impulses, difficulty, lots of fears of abandonment. Those are some of the hallmarks of this condition, right? When were you, when were you diagnosed? With board, uh, that was 2019, so after my so, last psychiatric So it was day. a new relatively, you didn't know this, what you were dealing with all these no, years. No, because I was misdiagnosed. When I took the lithium, I was diagnosed with bipolar when I was and, in and, my early 20s. And so, there are actually some people that, that theorize that borderline and bipolar are, have a lot of crossover features because as you're well aware, the dysregulation of emotions is part of, part of borderline, right? Mm -hmm. But the rage is a sort of a particular thing. And also, you said you're envious of men. Envy is a dangerous feeling, right? Because envious mm. can make you want to destroy mm. the thing you're envious oh, of. Oh, yeah. It's, it still to this day gives me rage when I, I don't follow a lot of straight guy anything because it like makes me so upset that like guys can say so much and they're taken as a joke if they get in trouble for it. But if I say something that's like a joke or 
to be funny, then it's like, oh, she's crazy. She's this, she's that, you know, it gets taken as a serious thing, you know? And it's like, okay, but the person next to me can be making jokes, but because he's a guy, it's okay. Or he's a comedian or whatever. Yeah. And that like, and I just got, I'm like, God, what it would be great to be a guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds a little more like jealousy than envy. Jealousy is I want to be like that. Envy is I got to destroy that guy. Cause he's like that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe both. Both. Yeah, Cause I have envy. a little admiration for that. I'm like, wow, guys can just get away with like anything. I feel. Well, I'm also guessing that with all those years of being exploited and dealing with, you know, men as clients and strip, you know, stripping and stuff mm. that, that adds to all the, on the nasty feelings. Towards yeah. Men. I think so. And that's again, the, the the seesaw that I'm on is just like, I don't want to be attractive because I don't want to be attractive for those people. But at the same time, it's like, well, let me just take their money. You know what I mean? Like they're just like typing to me being like, Oh, you know, whatever. And it's just like, Oh, there's still like, I don't know. There's like one power aspect to it being a sex worker. And then there's another just like, I don't you don't know. feel, you don't feel good about it. So yeah, all, like I don't feel all these, all these <laughs> in conflicted feelings you have. It's so interesting. I know. And so I just, I don't know. So I just hide. I just like hide. I don't know. It's very, and I never liked a guy before my husband. Like I just was just like, I liked gay men. That was the other thing. So I was really attracted to gay men for um, most of my life. Life, like, sexually attractive or mm-hmm. just oh interesting mm-hmm. and then I feel almost there's some guilt to that too like you know there was gay guys that I was involved with and I feel like maybe they thought they had to be like intimate with me because that's what I wanted and so they kind of I don't know like I felt guilt about it because I'm like am I in this weird power dynamic now where they're just like oh well I get like followers or I get this and so maybe I should be like flirty with her I don't know it's like mm. a weird thing I struggled with for very, so I still struggle with I'm like God, was that like a weird situation yes that I wasn't <laughs> but I wasn't trying to be you know at the time I'm like well maybe they're fluid and you know they would tell me fluid or yeah. bisexual well and a lot of men are that way right mm-hmm. they can but but the, you live in a world of secondary gain so who knows what they were getting out of it too I know it's but, so hard but, but isn't it interesting you know you've built this life around all this I mean, you're to be congratulated for finding your way through in spite of all this and surviving. And and you are still trying. And and I, again, I think there's on behalf of your child, I bet there's gonna be a lot of stuff ahead for you that you're gonna do differently. I'm just guessing. Yeah, I struggle. Well, that's the well, that's the other thing. Then, so I have my daughter, and I, I I put out my whole life out there. And I show my daughter online and there's that like debate on if you should show your children or not when she was born. The first thing I was like, oh, she's a prop. Oh, she's this. And it's just like, then you start thinking that, oh, okay. So then, you know, I'm on all these, I'm coming out of birth and stuff like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't take photos of my daughter because they'll think it's. I'm using her as a prop or right. something. Right. These these are not easy decisions. Obviously, a lot of people do that and are fine with it. And there's a whole there's this family called Kardashians. They made livings off of this, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so it's a part of our culture. You're not the only one doing this. The thing I have found that you have to watch out for most is when the kids hit around 13, 14, they can be start to build a lot of resentments oh. for having been. It's the child that you have to pay attention to. It's, like, is this kid going to be okay with this? And was I respectful in how I presented them? Mm-hmm. And and the, and the child had no say in it. They might have some heavy feelings about it later. So just like sharing pics online, like you just if it was you starting over with a baby and you're you who you I, are. I, I my kids were. There wasn't really no social media back then, but but they were sort of out there a little bit. When I had been doing a daytime television show, the producer's instinct was always to do something with my kids. And, and I did a nighttime when I was on HLN, same thing. They would bring your kids in on Father's Day. And they would kind of dutifully do it. And they were sort of towards the end of high school then. And towards the end, they were like, uh, do you understand we hate television? We hate these people. We hate everything about this. I was like, no, I didn't. Oh, I didn't. No. I didn't get it. I was just trying to do a good job. I didn't think about you. Right. I'm fucked up. I was a horrible move as a dad. I am sorry. Yeah. You you know it's okay to apologize for things. Nobody's like we've been saying. Nobody's perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. 
you if you if you blow it i mean you can apologize and then you can make amends which is a different thing right amends is cleaning up your side of the street doing something to make things right mm-hmm. whatever that might be i know because then there's that label that gets thrown around especially with me we did the narcissist test life and last oh, time yeah, we talked right, and everyone's like right. you're a narcissistic well, parent but but borderline is a narcissistic condition mm-hmm. yeah it's not narcissist per se it's a narcissistic but i just don't i don't Think of myself as a narcissist. Well, you're in. Let me let me frame it this way. (laughs) You're not a narcissist in the sense you have a narcissistic personality. You're you're borderline sociopath, uh, antisocial, and narcissist all share a narcissistic core. And I'm of the opinion the reason they have that core is because you're walking around in a lot of pain all the time. Mm. And when you're in pain, it's hard not to think about yourself first. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah. I think there's that portion of it. I think people were calling me narcissistic because I, when I had my daughter, you know, is it narcissistic to say, oh, it's like a little me. Everyone's like, that's such a narcissistic thing to say. No, it's not. Because people came for me because I was like, it's a little me that I have to protect. That's what I was saying. Well, that's a narcissistic way of thinking to think that's a little you. That's their own person, you know? I'm going to try to shift this frame a little bit. Maybe the narcissistic piece is not what you said, but being preoccupied with what other people are saying about you. Mm, interesting that is because that's a part that's hurting you yeah and if you could find a way to put their shit aside and not take it so wounding so and that's called a narcissistic wound right yeah uh maybe you can change that frame a little bit because i care so much what other people think because i do and i don't think i can ever change that no amount of work all i can do is ignore it that's the only thing but as you bring on all the negativity it's so wild to me how that happens i know and i try to stay so positive like i really try to go into that manifesting world the meditation world positivity not only that but you know i've known you for what about eight years now something Mm -hmm. like that you have changed a lot in a positive way a lot you're aware of that, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but All people right. will say people don't change just because they have a kid or whatever, but I feel like I changed before oh, that people, too. You did. I, I was witness. Yeah. And people do change because they have kids. Can we literally <laughs> say that one more time? Yeah. Because literally people are like, oh, just because she has a baby doesn't mean she changed, but it changed me completely. Oh, people are often changed dramatically by having kids. Like they, so drastically. Now, now, now your personality construct might be the same, but your right. choices and your priorities, everything shifts. Oh everything. my gosh. No, I feel everything. like that like my selfishness like disappeared because I didn't have a maternal instinct right away I wasn't super like I didn't know what she needed when she cried and stuff like that mm-hmm. but but I used to be super selfish where I'm like it all has to be about me where now it's just like if I'm um, like an hour away from her I feel like guilty you know what I mean I feel like this, this... Do, do you feel that is is part of that guilt wanting to be around them because you love her so much and also because my parents both worked a lot so I never saw my mom she so, just so worked all the time so it's your stuff again but but I, but yeah, I would right. that's okay but but I would still focus on like how much you positive feelings you have for this little being and that you want to be in that orbit all the time she's pure like she's so pure where it's like it's so crazy to me to see someone just like not have any hate or bitterness or any bad intentions when she sees people she just smiles and people smile back and i'm just like gosh like we were all at one point this like pure form yes when did we become so hateful so bitter and jealous and all it's like it's a great thing to think about and every it seems everybody's that way is anyone pure anymore that just wants to see like good and happiness for everybody like nobody everyone's it's it's not nobody i think it's ultimately everybody but everybody has been so injured and let down and 
wounded and it's it's a mess right now. Uh, and when they feel like that, they start looking for an, a scapegoat to express the, the rages. And they gather together and then they act out on one person. It's why you had guillotines. Same thing. Oh, right. And that's very much what it's like. I feel like people just love a public shaming. And, and sometimes, like, sometimes it's, it's necessary. I feel like there's some things I've done where people publicly shame me. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But then there's other things where I'm just like, okay, like we're getting a little crazy you know what I mean like especially with the mom there's so much mom shaming there's so much mom shaming and it's just like never good enough I didn't breastfeed so people are just like oh you're a horrible mom because you don't want to breastfeed and I'm just like we, we got to do something with <laughs> you, you letting that shit in you got to find a way to not let it hurt you I, I mean, I literally just can't look just, at stuff for a while. Well, that's okay, too. But then I'm always just like, but I like to. <laughs> I like to see what people say positive because there is a positive. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. You but, know? but you can have 20 positives. I'm sure you've seen her do this. 20 positives, one negative. That's the one she sees. <laughs> I mean, but, that is But that's true. normal human stuff. I know. I don't know. So I don't know what the answer is. And that that's the other question, though. Okay, so mentally ill people on social media. Yeah. Like, okay, when people have, I had a lot of some manic breakdowns. I exploited probably myself. People always excuse other people of exploiting my mental illness but i probably exploited it more than anyone when i'd have a breakdown or when i'd have like these you know rages or whatever i'd film it and it would get like a ton of views this was back in like 2015 2016 and so i was having manic breakdowns online mm. and social media like didn't do anything about it but like were you, is were you it... using then pills again oh yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean there was times too like 2018 like you know i was with someone who was just like i think it's called pookie now meth is called pookie someone told me they're like oh, were the you meth? on the pookie yeah the kind of meth, yeah they would always just call it meth back in when it's i was <laughs> yeah so they're like they're, or tina i think someone told me oh no that's the tina and i was like oh i don't know anyways meth and i was and i was like heavily because i was dating someone it wasn't that i was addicted i actually hated it it was like maybe it wasn't meth it was like rocks going up my nose yeah it's meth okay yeah (laughs) Yeah, they literally dropped me off at a hospital because i literally think i was like anyways that was a whole other thing but i was yeah i was using in all these videos for sure but i was so like manic high manic lows all this stuff like that but also just like on drugs you could see it in my eyes there was one video where people think it's like um it's like where i like identified as like a chicken nugget and i was like being so serious about it but i was like on drugs and so everyone's but people are like you can't just use as excuse but i was like i was you know i was like obviously on have you gone have you ever gone back and sort of evaluated those like do videos of you looking at those things, talking no. about what, see, what it's like to see it. What do you think? Explaining what really was going on, that kind of stuff. I mean, I see the memes, and maybe I'm you and I should do that. That'd be so interesting. Oh my god, I would. I'd be embarrassed. I think for you to see me, I feel like you because you've seen a little bit, but you haven't seen like there was a time that I was. You, there's nothing you could do that I have not seen. You know I what I mean? Know, I don't know, Doctor Drew. Oh no, no, I'm I've, pretty mentally ill. I, I've seen where where it goes. I've seen it. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. And, well, and by the way, to me, that's glorious because look, that you're doing so much better. I mean, that's treatment works. That's the one big thing. Thank you. Yeah. And, and so it's I, it's me. It's exciting. It's like, oh my god, look how look how you were. Look how far uh, yes. down you took it. That's the only thing and, I'm thankful for. I, like that's one thing. I'm like I'm glad that I have this. Like it's kind of embarrassing. It's a lot embarrassing. And, see, like, I, I see I see a road ahead for you too. I, mean, I know you're resisting some of this stuff. I feel like I'm so but, old now, and I'm just like, oh man, I wasted my youth being on drugs and just all over the place. You know, yes, you, you were on drugs and you were all <laughs> over the place, but people learn to get through those things by using them to make a difference and be helpful with it. I mean, that making sense of it, making meaning from it. It got so bad where there was a time in 2019 where I said like, hey guys, I have an addiction to pills. And another addict online was like, mm, she's lying. She's not an addict because well, I was functioning. Well, but I think, I no, no, but well, he might've been right because you had a dependency on pills, right? Like we've sort of been saying it. Mm. Addiction is a very specific genetic disorder, mm. right? And it's a disorder of the motivational system. Essentially, your survival system gets taken over if you have certain genetic structures and sort of the intracellular mechanisms of a place called the nucleus accumbens. And when that start gets when that gets escalated over time, it 
thing turns on, there's also some downregulation of the the executive function in your brain, and this and there's also the misery of being off the drug, and that gets activated. So it has like three or four different components to it, but at its core, it's this overtaking of your survival system, and it's always there once it's triggered. It's it's like a switch that gets thrown, and so if you get re-exposed to fentanyl like you did with pregnancy, you wake up and you're thinking, why well, you start behaving like a drug addict. I, I'm not seeing any of that stuff with with you. I'm seeing you being dysregulated, being traumatized, and needing to feel okay. And then making some pretty bad choices and getting there, and then having withdrawal, and then craving, and all that stuff. So maybe yeah. if I'm not an addict that way, we we're talking about behavioral addictions earlier, but you never yeah. really gave me the solution for that. So behavioral, that's what I need help with. Yeah, behavioral <laughs> addictions. Um, what, what do you think is your worst? Like food or Who shopping? You, what, what, <laughs> what would you say, Moses? He food gets more hard. triggered by my shopping addiction. He, he gets, gets scares him. I think the only yeah, I think that's our only fights we ever have is when I buy a new purse and I'm hiding it. And you're hiding it. Mm-hmm. Which is like an addict, right? The hiding stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, do you lie about it too? Or no, do, I come clean. Well, do you minimize? I also make videos about it. So he'll see it in the thumbnail and be like, did you just get this? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and then I say, yes. Yeah. I used to be a really bad liar, but I actually don't lie anymore. I've really come over that. Good. I was a very pathological when I was young. People think I say that and they're like, well, she's a pathological liar. She's a pathological liar now. But when I was young, I lied a lot. Good. Um, for like protection mostly. But yeah. I think it kind of became something in me. But now I don't. Like, and you could ask me about a bag. I'm like, yeah. I just what, try to what, hide just it. Just for people that don't understand why people lie, what was that about for you? Just protection. Just protection Survival. for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't want people to know my home life. I didn't want people to know about my dad. So I just like, would you use it also to get attention or to make yourself oh, inflated yeah. and stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. I lied about yeah. stuff like my dad's rich. Yeah. I yeah. have gold tap shoes at his house because he lived in California or whatever. Like I would just lie about the most random things. I yeah. lied that I had a twin sister. Like I don't know. It yeah. just became some like a habit, I guess, when I was younger. That's what starts to happen. You start it becomes habitual and you start losing track even yeah. of where what's what what's going on. Right. So then I think when I start talking about this stuff, everyone's like, Well, she said she's a liar, so she lies. <laughs> you know, so it's just that's why I'm saying there is a lot in this head right now that I'm just like even doing this as we're talking about it, I'm like, God, I really want to talk about this stuff, but I know I just contradict myself in so many ways. I have trauma. I don't have trauma. I'm an addict. I'm not an addict. Like, you know, it's just so difficult. It's it's (laughs) fragmented. There's fragmentation, Mm -hmm. right? And, And trying to glue all that together is the goal. So you have one cohesive experience. Yeah. It's hard. I hope I have a cohesive experience. You have fragmented experiences. I I get it. I I get it. And this feels very uncomfortable. Yeah. So back to the shopping addiction. What do I do? So (laughs) shopping, yeah, these are not easy things to treat. Um, There are groups for these kinds of uh, disorders. Uh, Gambling is the one that's the most effective. It's a GA. I don't have that. Yeah, uh, there's overeating groups. But then there's. I've been to those and they don't help. I've been to SLA and they don't help. Did you get a sponsor in SLA? Oof. That's that's an answer people don't like. It's like I did help. I did have a sponsor. Why don't people like that? Well, because it turns sexual. Oh, that you you seduce the the sponsor. Or the I don't sponsor know if I seduce sed- them necessarily, but then why do you feel bad about it? I guess maybe I felt that way. It was a woman, so then I was just like, oh, okay, like I don't know. I, I guess I feel bad because I took them out of there. How long had she been sober? I don't know. I don't know. I I would argue that she's the one that violated you. Mm. It's normal when you're a, for a sex addict, trauma survivor to try to be instinctively going after those boundaries and to have an erotic transference. That's part of the thing. Mm -hmm. And the sponsor is supposed to hold the line. 
Yeah, that did not happen. I get it. And, and it was and the it's opposite. Hard. It's, yeah. it's hard when addicts are helping other addicts, particularly around sex. I didn't think it was like a, a real addiction, like a sex addiction. I'm like, well, it's just sex. Like, it's just love. How, like, it, it's okay to be addicted to love, right? No, not really, because it's codependency. That's ultimately. what I'm saying, yeah. if you're codependent. And I'll, after we finish, I'll give you a good organization for this kind of stuff. But I A group? Because I read Codependent No More, and it doesn't help. It's like, not really a group. It's, I'm thinking of a particular therapist, really. And and I imagine she does all the other behavioral addictions too. I'm guessing because it is bad. I mean, food is bad. Like all this stuff is like really bad. Where I like binge. I mean, that's like eating disorder. That's a whole other thing. But mm. I feel like those you, you, you just binge or do you binge and purge? Both binge and purge. Yeah. I, now my pregnancy kind of saved me weirdly enough. Like I actually like lost weight during my pregnancy. I like felt full for the first time when I was pregnant because I carried high. Oh good. So I would just eat normal amounts, and I'm like, wow, this is. And I lost like so much weight, and then I gained it back after pregnancy because I was back to my. But at the time, I was so I felt so full I couldn't eat, and it was like such a great feeling. Yeah, and that needing to feel full is is yeah that emptiness. Do you have a lot of emptiness too feelings? I feel like, again, maybe this is like people like you shouldn't have a child to like fill you, but I feel like she kind of like filled this like emptiness that I had for a long time, which is why I don't think my shopping addiction isn't as bad as it used to be. But like I will buy a new purse and here and there or whatever, okay. but All right. I just feel Let's like it's The thing about the behavioral disorder is that you, it's hard to be completely abstinent, right? You have mm. to eat, you have to have sex. Mm. And so you're still doing your your behavior of choice. It makes it very, very difficult. And, and you know, I'm, I just keep thinking it's more with the trauma and the borderline stuff. That's really what's generating so much of this for so you. The trauma therapy is what you recommend. I'm just so bad at therapy. I don't think I'm like open enough. I just, I don't think it works. Sometimes it does. I have one therapist in West Hollywood who was great, but. How long were you with her? It was him. He's a gay guy, actually, which Mm. maybe is like what I needed. And um, a year and a half. Was he a sex therapist or was he? No, he actually was like, neither one. He kind of was just someone I I was referred to me. I think he like specialized in like queer community. And I don't know Uh, why I like went like before. I do do know a guy that that does specialize in that community and he's a sex therapist. Oh, very, very, very good. We can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was really good. And because I was struggling with gender and stuff at the time, like I remember like going to him and he helped me with so much more than that. But I should It's a lot, Trisha. It's a lot to carry around, isn't it? It's a lot. Oof. I know. And so I'm just like, now Where do you talking go about with it. it? Where do you go with it? How do you get relief other than acting know. out? I, acting out. I guess now I get, I just kind of maybe suppress it. I just clear my mind and then suppress it. You do the meditations. Yeah. And it, yeah. it works. I don't okay. think about anything until okay. I start thinking about stuff. Yeah. But I did a mental health podcast like a couple years ago. I just was like, not maybe the one to do it by myself. That's why I wanted to do the podcast with you because so many people had questions because a lot of people after seeing the episode we did about borderline, yeah. kind of how I thought with the DID, they're like, maybe I have this. And they have so many questions about it. Like, how about do you overcome DID. this? Yeah. Maybe or borderline, should, they ask. Maybe you know? we should do a few shows where we take questions. Well, we, we, yes. Because people ask and they ask me about you all the time and they're like okay what about this what about this and i'm like i can't answer that we fully. should do maybe they just write in to, to the do you have a website they can just write them in and we'll yeah. just you put them on a card and we'll just we'll talk about them yeah we should that, do that okay i would love i know we're kind of far away but i would love that because i love talking about it when you're saying like what the only reason i like well, keep be, going it would be you know the only reason you keep going is is for that because people are like you help me like i see myself in good. you That's i see good. that you can have a stable relationship being borderline i see you can have a successful job I, or friendships. i knew that i knew you would have a positive impact i knew it and and the fact but i didn't know especially talking to you today whether or not making that difference would be meaningful enough to you if you could hear it feel it oh it's the only reason i'm like still go otherwise i would just like 
literally hide. I could retire off my OnlyFans and never post again, you know, or just retire in general, just like sell a house or whatever. But it's like, I, I love, I love, one, I love it. I love the attention. Okay. But two, I love that I can help people because I love posting to get like feedback just in general, me eating, whatever. But I love that like inadvertently I help people eating disorders. People like, oh, I was able to eat because I saw you eating or whatever, you know, stuff like that. I'm, I'm wondering if we should give you, I like attention and you just own that. Oh, I, mean, I definitely do. I don't because, think that's a secret. Well, no, but you keep kind of expressing a little bit of guilt or ambivalence about it. And I'm just wondering. Oh, about if, the attention? Yeah, you kept going. Oh, I, I don't know if it's like a bad thing. Don't you like a little attention? I mean, you do so many TV shows. I'm and... saying, you, why don't you own it oh, okay. as just part of who you are? And <laughs> well, it's an okay thing. I and, thought it's just known because I'm like an entertainer. So no, but, like... you, but, but your feeling about it is what I'm addressing. Oh. Because you have all these ambivalent feelings about, about it. You, a... You've brought it up in a number of different contexts. About not wanting attention? About needing attention and how I... much you love it, but then kind of feeling a little guilty or unsure. Well, then there's selective the... attention. I don't want attention when I go down the street or when I'm with my daughter. Like, don't look at us, you know. Okay, but you like attention. You don't feel bad about that. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I think it's obvious because I'm like online. I, it, it, but you, but it is obvious that you like it, but you... <laughs> oh, just admitting to it. Okay. Owning it. I like attention. O- owning it. Yeah, owning it. Because that, that, that's a part of yourself, right? Right. And you're trying to figure out who is Trisha really at her core. Mm-hmm. It's part of your core. It's fine. Okay. It's okay. You've made, a, you've made an art form of it. Right. Well, then there's that bad attention too, where I don't really want to like exploit myself. But I feel like I've gone through enough to like help other people who don't know. The, and the don't exploiting recognize. yourself stuff is the trauma. Yeah, that's where that. Because that's embarrassing. Like I look back and I'm like, oh my god, why was I doing that? It's like one, I liked attention. Two, I liked money. You know, whatever. Again, I'm thankful because now people can see. I guess whatever. But you, you need to get more insight into why you were doing that stuff. The yeah. things when you ask yourself, why was I doing that? You need to answer that question somehow. I mean, I think, yeah, I think just attention really. I'm like, I'm dealing with this. I might as well make money off of it. I'm dealing with this. I might as well get What do you views. mean dealing with it? Like I'm going to go through these emotions like after a breakup and I'm going to be so pissed. Like I might as well just like put it all on camera so people can see it. Or me. Oh, that's the emotional stuff. Yeah. That's what I think. Gosh, it would be interesting to look at that all now. Oh my God. I know. Yeah. It's crazy because it's, but, but it affects you long term. That's why I like tell people when I was doing my little podcast, I had it just upstairs and it was, I was just telling people like, you know, ultimately though, it just looks bad. Like I've seen other people do manic episodes, like manic breakdowns online, on live streams, all stuff like that. And it's weird to me, like social media doesn't step in. Cause don't you think like authority step in, right? If you're like, the reason I got 5150 in the second time is people called in. I was yeah. manic on like Instagram story yeah. and they called in and I'm just surprised like more social media doesn't take like accountability for people who have like public manic breakdowns. Because it's a publishing platform. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a, just put stuff up. They have no, they don't publish. You know what I mean? They're not, no really accountability for what's on there per, really. And yeah. as soon as they take accountability, then they're, th- they get threatened by the government that they're, you know. They're no longer just a platform for. Oof, for I see so many people. Content. I think the, I think it's the us, the users, have to take responsibility for that. But when you say you were in a manic episode, what were the features? Oh, I mean, I mean anything. I mean, there would be were just you hallucinating. Like, were you? Oh, uh, hallucinations. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there. I swore there was a vampire in my house. You're delusional. Oh, for sure. Like I. Like to this day, hand to God, like I really thought some somebody was taking the tampons out of my trash and like like I don't know, stealing them, eating the them, whatever. Were eating them. Hundred percent thought yeah. it was a hundred percent real yeah. to this day because yeah. I remember it so vividly. I remember yeah. talking about it, and I was just like, "It's crazy to me." I remember hearing a dog speak vividly, mm. and that to me, you know, we talk about blacking out, not remembering stuff, and I was like, "God, I remember it so vividly." Like this dog, like knew my passcode. I remember the the drug addict that I was with, and I don't mean that in a, in a harsh term. He's an addict. Were you, on, were you doing meth at that time? Um, this was heroin in twenty nineteen. Oh my goodness! He was injecting me. I never did it before. Wow! And he was injecting me. I did it when I was eighteen, but he was like injecting me. We were. I was just. I was like. Um, I don't know how I survived. But his dog was like talking to me 
which I mean, heroin's not hallucinogen as far as I know. It is. I'm wondering if the meth was mixed in. You were speaking. Well, we did a lot of. We yeah. did a lot, but he. Um, but My he. God, is, it was his it's, job. It's, it's a triumph that you're alive. It's crazy. I don't know. My body. It's a triumph. I think you should I'm, be proud of yourself for surviving through stuff that other people. Don't survive. No, and, and and last year, both two of those guys that I did meth with passed away. It was really sad. It was yeah, actually these really... are these are deadly conditions. Deadly, it was deadly. Oh my god, it you, was like really you're, sad. You're here for a reason. You you got to keep keep thinking that. And, and the extent to which you can shed light on this stuff for other people could be big deal. I try. I just also don't want to hurt people anymore. Like the community stuff. I don't want to like be a harm. Like I don't want people to feel some type of way about me and get triggered by, I feel like people get triggered by me going back to the cancellation. Like they see me on something or they see me and then they get like triggered. So I don't want to like trigger anyone either. I don't know. But so many people give me positive feedback that I'm like, okay, I'll just keep doing it. And they really, really liked you. So I was very happy you came on today because people knew you got me and I knew you got me. I I, I get you. I, I, like I said, I've worked with these conditions my whole career. I enjoy it. I, I get what you do to yourselves with it. Interesting. I feel like you're a little more centered right now, like right this minute. Yeah. It was a whirlwind we just went through. Yeah. But you're, but you're pretty centered right now. And and that's good. That's a very positive thing that I bet you couldn't even get like this 10 years ago or eight years ago. Oh no. Like to get myself back in. No. I don't even like to cry anymore. Really. I really don't like to cry because you've done so much. I've done so much of it. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like that. I'm past that point in my life. I think just talking to you and just like saying this and just having you here, it just helps. And not Good. just because you're a man, but because you're a professional at this. Well, I, I get what you're going through. <laughs> and, and and back when I came on the, the podcast, you know, when that where the shitstorm developed around mm-hmm. all that, mm-hmm. then who knows what shitstorm today will create. <laughs> and we're trying not to be in a shitstorm. We're, we're trying, trying to, be. to be conscious about it, not, but who the hell knows. <laughs> Um, but and we neither of us like it. For the record, okay. neither of us like shit storms. We no, don't like it. No. Yet we both seem to attract them. What is and that? So What's I don't, that psychology? I, I always try to take responsibility for everything that happens to me, even when it feels out of my control. I always think, what what was my role in this? How did I get here? How you get canceled is beyond me. You're just like a doctor over I'm here. Just trying to help, mm. and it's. That's offensive to people, I guess. So, um, or or they will say things like, "I can't believe you talked to Trisha publicly about these issues." That should all be behind a closed door. I mean, and it's like that's up to Trisha, I not guess. up to you. I've been begging you for so long to I, I, talk to me point, about this. But the point, the point is, we, we are doing this bec- for a purpose. The purpose is Trisha has been through a lot of treatment. She's struggled with these conditions for a while, and she her progress is inspirational and illustrative of something that a lot of people deal with. You know, it's a, yeah. these are common things, and God knows the drug stuff today is that you know we, we barely got into addictions i know but, there's but, so much more to talk about that and yeah. the postpartum stuff and just being because there's a lot of stuff i talked about postpartum that i do I, think that new medication is going to be really good really i do yeah but you didn't you had you had some you had the baby blues you didn't have a real true postpartum yeah i didn't think so yeah. but again i had a husband that stayed up with the baby all night like mm-hmm. i never stayed up with her which also i feel guilt to that you know i'm like why can't i stay up with my own baby you know what i mean i was sleeping through you've you've, you've expressed guilt many 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 times this conversation do you feel shame um, yo, yeah. You feel both guilt and shame. Oh, I still feel it. I still feel like I'm not a good enough mom because Moses does so much. He's so instinctual. And I feel like I'm just like not good enough yet. You know, he's mm. so good at it. And me, I'm still like, oh, changing a diaper. Like I'm just not maternal yet, you know? And it's like, and I wanted to be a mom more than anything. So it's like, that's what's so frustrating. And I feel shame and I feel bad that he takes care, does a lot of the caregiving and people see it online and call him a mom or call him my assistant. And it's just like, he does so much. Do you mind it? <laughs> Okay, shut up. This is a couple navigating parenthood. It's they, not easy if you've done it. They're like, he does all the work. Judge not, lest ye be judged. I'm sure you're all perfect. I'm sure. That, did you just come up with that? No, the Bible said that. Oh. <laughs> so. I was like, that's so good. <laughs> 
like that judge quote. not lest ye be judged yeah and it's we've hard. lost track of that completely <laughs> in this country everyone feels like completely like judge and jury it's crazy they're it's, like oh my god moses takes care of the baby and i'm just like that no, i'm like no, no. um what's going to be important to your child is you getting as far down the line of recovery as you possibly can you getting better is going to be everything to the child. I'm trying. I work on that every day because, like, yeah. that's the one thing. And I just want her to know she's, like, loved. And I don't want her to feel abandoned. I don't want anything. So I'm just around her all the time because I just don't want her to feel like what I felt or go through what I threw. Because being a girl, once I found out I had a girl, we thought we were having a boy. And once we found out we had a girl, I think people thought I was disappointed. I was just scared. I was like, shit. Like, she's going to go through so much. And I'm like, I felt I, – that's guilt. I felt guilt. <laughs> and, and it's also back to that envy about how men feel. Do you think men aren't as sensitive as girls? Oh. No. They're not as sensitive as girls. That's facts. Men, men. Yes. They're not as sensitive. Girls but, are more sensitive than but, men. You know, this is an interesting topic. Uh, I, I agree with you in principle, but little boys are very sensitive, probably more than little girls. Really? Particularly when it comes to mom and stuff. Mm. Like exquisitely sensitive. That's something that a lot of first-time moms and stuff see in the males and are surprised. Now, testosterone and development and everything takes care of a lot of Yeah, that. it's like, what, <laughs> what goes on that they change? Yeah, it, they become something a little different. But... <laughs> But at work, we still are somewhat that way in our core as men. And so it's the role of a woman for a straight man can be extremely um, delicate for a man. Mm. They so. don't like crying. Every guy I've ever been with, like, oh, my God, crying, fake, you're faking it, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's always. That you're faking it or you're yeah. accusing him of faking it? No, if I cry, oh, you're faking crying. Stop oh. it. Like, this stuff, you know? Yeah. So, so again, just because we're trying to keep this as yeah. educational as possible, <laughs> yeah. that, that's kind of how borderlines sometimes express themselves. They feel disconnected from their feelings mm. to, to the observer. I've not really seen you do much of that, but but I'm what, the sure crying? the crying, the disconnect from the crying, oh. expressing emotion, but to an observer feeling disconnected from the feelings. Oh no, I think so, my cries are real. I mean, yeah. I've always I can honestly I never fake crying. I always real. I, I wish mean, I could fake. Be I mean that it can be you can look not super oh. connected to Oof. the feelings. I know. Yeah, I, I get it. But that that's how people perceive it sometimes. So well, there you go. I mean, there's so much up? more. Oh, I have more. We could talk about Barbie. There's so much more. I mean, there's literally Barbie? so what much. About Barbie? Trying to get pregnant again. Like, oh, you get like, pregnant again? Trying to get pregnant are again. You, are you just so doing it the natural way? Or are you? Uh... Well, I did the HSG test again, and it didn't work this time. Mm. I did that. That's how we got pregnant the first time. They kind of clear your tubes. I don't know if it's yeah. really meant to get pregnant, but it works. You a- know, HSG to get is a hysterosalpingogram. Yes. So you have some tubal stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And a- so I always had scarring. I was. They told me I was infertile for so long. Someone, it was crazy. But we're trying to get pregnant again, and we just did the HSG did, test. Have, and you, they... have you ever had an ectopic pregnancy? No. Okay, so no. you probably you'll probably get pregnant. I don't know. And then we, tra- we it just happened in June, so we've been trying now. They said three months it clears your tubes basically, but we haven't got pregnant, so it's giving me a whole new depression. I've been trying to put my well, legs the, over if, my head. I, and... But there's so much fertility treatment. My goodness, I mean, don't worry about that. Just do it if you want to get pregnant. <sighs> yeah, there's that. But we, also, our kids are a product of a fertility campaign. Okay. And and she had a HSG, and there was a, she has a congenital problem. She'd had an ectopic, and she had a congenital problem with the the fimbria, the things that bring the egg in. Oh my gosh. And so we became dependent on uh, fertility treatment. Oh. Oh, see, this is another reason I should have your wife on the podcast. Do you think she would do it? Oh, there's no doubt she would do it. I would love to. Because so. like that kind of stuff is like so interesting to me because like it's stuff like people don't talk about a lot. I wonder if you guys would get along. I, I, oh, I think so. Just through email, I feel like we vibe. Okay, good. She's very like cool and chill. You never know, you know? You never know, Especially yeah. with me, not to whatever get back to me, but like I feel like, well, now I'm married, so I feel like it's a little safer, but I feel like there was a time where everyone was just thinking I just wanted every guy that I would talk to. I got accused of that a lot. Like even if they were gay, whatever, they're like, oh, Trisha's flirting so hard with this person. Trisha wants, because I'm very like usually 
flirty by nature again before I was like married. So I feel like people like. But felt again, that, that might be the trauma coming through. You don't even realize it. Right. It, it's, it makes you appear like you're allure, being alluring. And again, the people around you that care about you are supposed to hold the line. They're supposed right. to stop responding to that shit, <laughs> so you can feel safe. Yeah. Because as soon as somebody responds to it, you're not safe anymore. Yeah. It's just the same old thing acting out over and over again. Yeah, I also feel like it was just my way of like making feel people feel good about themselves. Mm. You know, so mm-hmm. I'd be like, "Wow, you look so great," but then it takes is like flirting. So now I just like don't talk to anyone about anything. But back to that, it's just like I know when someone was married, I'd just be like, "Oh my god!" Like the wives would like always like hate me. But when I was younger, now I'm like non-threatening. You know, it's like whatever. Also, I'm married to like the best person. When I was younger, I think I was attracted to like attached people. That's a whole other thing. Being attracted just to like people who are taken. So you were a poacher. I wasn't because I didn't like it, but I, I think inadvertently I kind of was because when you're so young, you're just like, "Oh my god!" Like I must. Be but so that's special. the att- that's the attention thing, right? Yeah, the celebrity and, uh, obsession. That that and there's something women have a separate motivational system that I only recently learned about of being chosen. Women like to be chosen. Like, uh, you're the one. They, they love that. Men have zero of that. We, we just like to, you know, get what we want. But, but we don't care if you choose <laughs> you know, us or not. Is that why? Because I'm obsessed with celebrities. I'm like, have a... Okay, celebrity rehab. Yeah. Back to that again. But yeah. I, in a way, and I know that's not the majority, so I don't want to say it glamorized, like like teen pregnancy. Everyone's like, it glamorizes, but like not. But I, it did kind of glamorize it. I thought, well, if I go to like rehab, maybe I'll meet a celebrity because that's what you always heard, right? Like in shows like Dickie Roberts, like Brandon Fraser was in the AA meeting and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to... Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of celebrities in treatment and in AA meetings and things. And if that motivates you to get in, fine, as far as I'm concerned. There was someone who Believe was on me. your show that I like reached out to and I was like, I was like 15 and I was like, hey, what's up? And like, I think Believe it, like, me, the staff, it. if you go into a treatment program, will prevent that from becoming a thing. Well, then anything. it's after because you see them on TV. I would see an addict on your show when I was like literally 15 and I like wrote to them. I think it was just like email back then. Mm. And it was just like, I don't know, the fact that they responded to me, I was like, ooh. And then I think I got kind of the sex at money. Well, that's a whole other thing, the sex addiction from that. So um, you, I think he's good now i think he's clean now you, you got sex addiction no i think he was the one that kind of introduced me to like no sex in general as a young age like when i was like 15 16 this celebrity person mm-hmm. i can tell you later that is not Maybe good we can cut that off that or is whatever not if you cool. want. we can edit it i mean but, it's it's just not good yeah it was crazy but uh, back to that as i would watch your show and i'd see like these celebrities and it was like in a way it wasn't glamorous because so many of them like passed away too which is like so sad I but know. at the same time there was a time where i'm like oh it's iconic i love people like anna nicole smith I'm like oh, i should die young and then not anymore since i've had a kid well so so but i used to be like that so those were the, they were serious addictions mm-hmm. their probability of living past 50 was low mm-hmm. because of the addictions and things and, and and the ones that really got fully into recovery they're going to live a long life but if you as if there's any slipping and sliding it, life is short and, yeah. and often ended by my peers back in those days when they were giving them bottles of pills and stuff terrible it's so but, sad yeah that but to me again i looked at that when i didn't care about living and again wasn't suicidal but i was like eh, if i die when i'm 30 it's you we know, have to be everything. careful the borderline can have a shortened life expectancy too yeah. uh, and the more you get treatment the more you get through it the, the, the less it affects you that way i'm trying to live i'm manifesting i'm gonna live to be 100 i'll see malibu Good. at 70 like i Good. really do want to live a long time which is why i'm trying to be better and I feel like with the food I'm kind of like getting better we go on walks every day like I'm trying to be like healthier yeah I, I feel like that, that's kind of why I'm not jumping into the conversation about behavioral addictions with you so much again because it's the borderline stuff that really creates a lot yeah. of this and if you get the borderline stuff to settle down with DBT and if you can get some trauma treatments and if you can get some balance back in your life a lot of these things will kind of settle you know it, you gotta have the right treatment for the right condition right and and calling everything addiction isn't necessarily always the right thing yeah. and, and, I, and you do have some manic qualities right Right, and I can see why they would. Go, Are you sure you don't want some medication? Yeah, <laughs> I, can see, I can see why they would would go that way. Yeah. 
But if you take care of yourself and sleep right and eat right and do you work out? Yeah, I go well, I go on walks. I want to get like a trainer and all that stuff like that. Like, Why don't you me. do that? Yeah, I think that would help because I do take a lot of like, again, probably more time than I should as a new mom. If, like me, you know, I try to like have me time because otherwise I go like a little. Well, you you have a, you have a, I mean, let's call it what it, well, I mean, it's kind of a strong word, but you have a, you have a condition. I, I was going to say disability. It's not really disabling, but it's a condition. If you don't manage it, it'll affect your parenting. Yeah. It well, that's what, that's what I like. Look out for the most. Yeah, should we talk about one more thing before you go? Barbie. Yeah, because okay. I feel like we talk about men <laughs> okay. and like envy and all stuff like that. Right, yeah. I feel and I feel like which is interesting because I didn't know your take on this. We talked about it before. You're kind of on the side. So many like conservative people are very like anti Barbie. I talked to so Ben Shapiro talking about it, and he was like so angry at the film. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm just I'm like so, I, I've heard both sides, and I, I wonder which way. I haven't seen it yet. I wonder which oh, way I was going to go. Seen I haven't it. seen it, and oh. I I see only see films on planes. That's typically where I see films. Oh, okay, but but. My daughter had an extremely positive reaction What'd to her. Say? Like, like she was, she did a, a YouTube or a Instagram post where she was crying and how moved she was, how much it made her remember what it felt like to find feminism for the first time and empowerment, and mm-hmm. how deeply meaningful that was to her. And then I saw Mark Maron doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And Mark's a guy I've had kind of an admiration and respect for for a long time, and he was really good and clear about it why it was good he, oh, did, he, he said he was he, good he also did like a tiktok or an instagram post or something and i was like oh well i think i'm gonna like i bet i'm to certainly primed it. to like Are it that's feminist? for sure am i a feminist uh, i am um not in the classic sense but i certainly am highly supportive of women i i, I idealize women a little bit oh interesting yeah and uh corolla gives me shit all the time because i i used to say all the time that we need more female empowerment we need the female brain involved more it's a better system than the male brain and stuff and, and it's not as <laughs> simple like, no. as that it's not as simple as that <laughs> well it, i knew him from like the man show and it's funny to see how jimmy kimmel like flipped like full like he's so I know, like he's full woke yeah, yeah which is crazy i mean i'm like in the middle because i think woke culture is like a lot I, i'm in the middle too i'm independent I've are always you been, i would yeah. think you're more on the conservative because you're like on rumble I, and stuff I'm, now i was like okay getting <laughs> no i just go wherever people will have me frankly and it's a, <laughs> and i and i really am just intrigued i i'm I'm very much interested in free speech. I I'm very much feel like we should totally be. Totally, yeah. And part of the reason I'm interested in free speech is people that want to cancel and, and clamp down misinformation. I worked in a psychiatric hospital for 35 years. When you silence things, when you when you push down information, you make things 50 times worse, particularly mm-hmm. if people are already paranoid. You've been paranoid, I'm sure, at times. Yes. And if somebody started going, I, I can't tell you about that, you immediately jump into action. For and sure. And you get 50 times worse. Fresh air, sunshine. That's for... That's that's my whole solution to all the bullshit right now. More yeah. information. If it's bad, you decide. That's all. Right. Just as long as it's out there. I've been telling people there's been aliens for a very long time before the Maybe government. Maybe you're right. I'm open to it. I, I don't th- know. I've seen them for real. And I think this was maybe when I was doing drugs. Maybe not. I don't remember. But I've seen them. And I've seen them. And I've talked about this for so long. And all of a sudden now it's confirmed. And well, I like, confirmed. Well, I don't know. I'm still skeptical. Are I, you? Yeah, I'm no, still, it's confirmed. I'm still skeptical, but 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 I'm open to it. I'm I've open seen to them. It. I'm open to it. Well, I don't see ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts, but I've seen the aliens. But it's interesting to me that when people see aliens, they always look the same. Now, so either that's something our brain does that makes them look like that, or they actually look like that. I so, think they actually look like so that. So I'm still waiting to, to see. When, when I get to meet one, I'll... I'll Maybe if we do a podcast, we can have them we come can, on. We because can track them. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. They come in my dreams a lot. So I feel like now that I'm vocal about it, the more I talk about it, I think they'll like come out or they'll let me come in. And so... And, and Rogan was talking recently about 
this notion that um, that the, the worlds may have been destroyed repeatedly, you know, and then we come build civilization back. I'm kind of in that kind of mode that an asteroid hits and destroys everything, and don't we all die then? Yeah, you restart. I, you restart. Yeah, like that has happened over many millennia. I suspect oh something like that has happened. Really? When? Soon? Oh no! When's it going to happen? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, but I can't predict I, I, that. I'm just thinking that it had happened. That I think. Scares me. I think we will do everything we can to prevent that kind of thing. We'll fire rockets at it and stuff like that. Are you a Joe Rogan fan? I am. He once saw my OnlyFans and said, "Ugh." Live on air, he said, "Oh, you can have that." Not a feminist, Joe Rogan. Not a feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what we do with that to kind of make you manage it better. <laughs> I, I got a little triggered by it. I'm not gonna lie, even yeah. though I did not care. I only know him from Fear Factor, and I kind of like loved him on Fear Factor. But I was like, "Oh, why but, did he say that? Like, unwarranted." <laughs> right. He doesn't know it, me. My it, trolling, nothing. Correct. Everyone's entitled to their opinions. Whatever. I mean, you have to say "ew" about someone's like looks. It's it's a bad. I I. It hurts my heart to hear people do that to anybody. No, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. But, you know. But I did get 300 new subscribers to my OnlyFans, okay, so well, thank you, you Jeff. <laughs> His ick gave me $3,000. Yeah, and they, they're not saying ick, right? <laughs> yeah, they love him. They, there's a whole scar fetish out there because I have a lot of scars on me. and they. But I don't show my C-section scar, but I show the boob scar because I had like my boobs done. They love it. They love a liposuction scar. There's a whole scar community out there. Oh, that's so interesting. People are so fascinating. <laughs> so, when it comes to it. fetishes, there's like an unlimited range. So cool. It's actually, that's what I'm saying. Some of that's kind of cool because I gained a lot of weight, but some people are really into like bellies oh yeah people are there's so, a whole fat fetish thing yeah. or belly fetish or whatever like, okay i'll take it i guess for now but again it's kind of weird i don't know some people wanted to see the c-section I was like no it's no c-section scar whatever and listen if, if it's helping making somebody happy who, who, right. who, who am i to say i'm kind of like well i'm bringing joy to some people <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know i'm torn by it but you can still subscribe because it's up right now do you like barbie oh i loved it yeah. i loved barbie yeah. i thought it was so great i thought it gave like such a good message i yeah. like to me i have to think like the like really right wing people i think they just maybe do it for attention, right? Like, Ben Shapiro has to, like, he doesn't care that much about Barbie, the movie. Like, no, but I, I wish, uh, what I'm hearing about it that I think is going to bother me is the over-the-top element, which, of course, it is kind of like a cartoon, right? Like a movie, of course, yeah, yeah, it's, it's Barbie land. But, but like, like, when she goes and apparently when she uh, addresses the board of Mattel, yes. right? <laughs> They're the, all men. Yeah, the word of Mattel is like half and half or 60% yeah. men or something. And and that's kind of like, we're better than that. We, we've actually done better. We're, but I we're think better. it's the visual. It's the overall meaning. It's the cartoon. It's like yeah. how I think of the world. I think it's all these men judging me and stuff. So it's like kind of that thing when it's actually like. All these men judging you. That's yeah, just such a. That's how a lot of women feel all the time. It's awful. So seeing that in the movie, you're kind of like, yeah, like trying to put you back in the box and trying all this stuff when but, you're like the star of the show. Men are walking around suffering too, you know. It's hard for me to see it because I'm so like wounded by them. I'm kind of like, oh, you're fine. You're a man, which is like my, I know it's like the wrong way of thinking. You got to kind of work on that. We got to work. Empathy for you is something you got to kind of, you you lose empathy in certain, when certain things grip you. It's just a heterosexual men, but I'm going to work on it. They need love too, the Kens. I mean, some of them are awful and some of them are not. So it's like everybody. I need to meet a good one besides you and Moses. So there's a beginning. Are you fluid? Sexually? No. Never? Mm-mm. Not even in the 70s? No. Not even in the 70s. Wow. I like women. Period. Okay. okay I, so you're the one. You're the hetero the, that I yeah, that, can start with. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you're okay. No, I had zero. Mm-mm. And you didn't abandon your daughter or anything like that? No, no, no. And, I, and I've like had it in. Like I really was attracted to my wife like over the moon. And I feel the same way today as I did 40 years ago. Oh, my gosh. We can keep is, yourselves up. You guys both look like so good. But, it, but, it's, but it's so lucky. I feel so lucky that, yeah. that that thing that was there at the beginning is there today. Day, 40 years later. That's it's crazy. Never cheated, nothing. No. 
true. Wow, because everyone I know is like they maybe like cheat, especially a celebrity. Mm-mm. I feel like there's that temptation. You never had it. Sure, uh, but I I won't. I, I it feels like I'd be attacking my marriage and my kids. Yeah, that's how I feel too. My like why ruin a good thing? It'd so be, many it'd guys. Be a, well, and I and I know also. I also know that it diminishes the primary relationship. I've just seen it. You know, again, I've dealt with people forever, and I, I've seen. Polyamorous and all that stuff—it just—it just diminishes mm. the primary thing until mm. it depletes it, and you got to invest in it all the time, and protecting it and all that is really a part but of. But I think again, the guys are the ones that cheat more than women. I think it's a statistic on that. I mean, I don't know the statistic, I think that's but I think true. there's I okay. Think that's the true. men just do it more. They're just like, especially like famous guys. They just like I don't know, or just guys in general. They they throw away like a really hot thing for just like a random one-time hookup and yeah, ruin their whole family. That's weird to me. People do like that. the Ariana Grande situation. Have you followed that? No. Oh, she now. she was married. There's a guy in her new movie that was married and they both divorced their spouses though his wife came out and said that yeah it's ariana like it, that we got divorced and it's because I, my family was collateral basically they just had a baby he just had a baby Ugh. six months ago and now they're together and everyone's kind of like ooh, like you know looking type I'm, you don't follow pop culture i, I do you not oh I do not. you're but, not on tiktok i am a little bit but okay. but not i don't i get <laughs> i watch nerdy stuff but like what but physics <laughs> oh my like god a, some doctor crazy, of you. crazy stuff <laughs> But 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 I, I I'm kind of disappointed when people do that. They they hurt hurt. I, I I'm a codependent, right? So it's mm-hmm. hard for me to hurt other people. It's very hard for me. Yeah, and especially someone like you love and that's like there for you. Like I could never do it. Like I love celebrities. I love celebrities, and my husband puts up with it so well. Like I'll see a like I watched the Idol on the weekend. I never I don't care about the weekend. Never saw his music, but as soon as I saw this, like he was very sexual and thing. I'm like, oh, he's so hot. And my husband like is okay with like me saying it's like hot, but I would never ever do anything because like he's the only person who's like ever like put up with me and liked me and loved me. And so that's well, what he I was, knows like, that you know, he feels he feels he's secure secure with you. Yeah, he trusts he's, you. He saved me from so many possible like bad drug. Like I was like in a K hole one time at the W, and he came and picked me up, and we weren't even dating. I was doing a, a shoot or whatever, and he came. But it was my first time do- drinking on ketamine, which I like never did. Mm. And he came to the W hotel. We weren't even talking for like a month. He came, picked me up. Like he saved me so many times. So I really do so, believe. So you it. like ketamine? Yeah, I guess so. So ketamine is a new. dissociative. It makes dissociation worse. Mm. And so you've used dissociation as your means of dealing with feelings. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that you would amplify that. It was a new drug for me. And this was like 2020. This was like a new one for me. And I was like, oh, I really liked it. I did 2018 too. But yeah. it was interesting because it sounds so scary, but it was so fun. Mm, not good. Don't do yeah. it. I mean, no, Were you snorting it or shooting it? Would you? Uh, that was, oh, God, I don't remember. We were drinking. Is there GHB? Probably is drinkable? Yeah, maybe GHB's that was. a little. Maybe that was it. Maybe yeah. that was it. And it was something there. Like you could go in a K-hole or something. And I was like, if you drink. And I was I definitely was. And he like saved me. Saved my life so many times. So it's like, anyways, that's a whole other thing. But Well, you got a good guy. Congratulations. <laughs> He's great. And you Thank have a baby. You. Congratulations. Thank and you're you thriving. So and you're making progress. Thank you. And you're helping other people, I hope, by sharing this stuff. Again, I that's hope our goal. so. That's the only reason I like say all this stuff. Because it is embarrassing. Even the mom stuff being so new. I want to be like the perfect mom. But at the end of the day, it's just like I'm not. Nobody is. There. Nobody's yeah. a perfect mom. And thank you for coming here. My pleasure. And for always, always, like, just There's being... a lot. Well, hopefully, we'll do some more where we take your questions and you know, let's and... look to some old videos. And look at some old, analyze some old videos. You can tell I was on drugs or wine because people like you weren't. I'm like, you can tell. Like your eyes, yeah. like you can tell if someone's on yeah, drugs. But it'll be interesting sorting out what's mania, what's withdrawal, what's drugs, what, how do you, it's really hard to figure these things it's out. It's like a game show. It's like <laughs> manic or not. <laughs>
Dennis withdrawal or mania? Yeah. Which is it? <laughs> we'll set up the keyboard. <laughs> Stay <only> tuned. <laughs> so much fun. Well, Dr. Drew, I love you. I love your Twitter, by the way. Your the talk sessions you do. It always says Dr. Drew's hosting at the top. Oh, that's fine. I love Thank you're you. everywhere. And well, I think it's amazing. Your Facebook show I love. I know you're more medical. I'm like, I want to come on your show. Your producer is like, well, it's more medical now. I'm like, I could talk about medical stuff. Well, but you can you, come here. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I'll come here, but maybe we'll do something. We'll figure something out. So yeah, yeah so more. I, I would love it. Once a week checkup with Dr. Drew. Yeah. yeah. I know you're very busy. It's hard to get you here. But I need it. I think you're the only therapist I'll like talk to because you're a celebrity. Well, I, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good thing, A. And and then B, we're not doing therapy. We're, you and I are not right, doing therapy. Right. We're, we're, just, right, we're, yeah. talk, we're talking about your life. We're talking about understanding me. things. We're talking about educating other people. I mean, talking is kind of therapy, isn't it? Like. It's, you know, it's not the work. It's, it's sort of more the, um, w- w- the way I think about like th- these kinds of conversations is like, hmm, it's sort of a way of getting you to the point where you're willing and wanting to do the work. Right. Right. And so you're in this sort of contemplative phase. I don't want to do this. I do know that this, 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 you know, therapy doesn't work for me, whatever it is. And then we talk about these things and you go, hmm, maybe I do want to work on some of these things. So mm. it puts you in this sort of phase of moving towards actually doing the work. But I feel healed just talking to you. So I feel like I don't Guilt? need to go to. No, healed. <laughs> oh, healed. Well, you felt. I noticed you were able yeah. to really center yourself, which was very interesting. Yeah, I don't I think you could better. have done that in the past. No, right. And um, but that's here. a very, very positive thing that you're doing. So thank you. All right, guys, that's it for just Trish. I really do sincerely apologize to the DID community. I never meant to hurt you. To the trans community, you guys know I love you more than anything. In the hetero community, I'm working on it. I'm gonna try and she find hates some me and Moses. <laughs> She's very clear about that. But yeah. we'll, we'll bring her around. Don't you worry. Check out Dr. Drew all over <laughs> social media, his Facebook Live and Twitter hosting. And Rumble and YouTube and Just Trish and maybe our own podcast soon. You never know. Never know. Thanks, Dr. Jerry, for being here. We'll see you next time. Bye. (laughs)